Are you sitting quite comfortably? Then I'll begin. Hey kids, comics! Comic books. An art form early alive. We can rebuild them. We have the technology. With digital downloads and bookstore penetration, which sounds a bit rude, we can make them better than they were before. Better, stronger, faster. Your host, Andrew and Michael Leyland. Hello, everybody. Hello, everyone. And welcome back to the show. This our show. show. Our show. <laughs> <laughs> we need new shtick. Should we just record that bit as well? Yeah. So we never have to say it again. <laughs> well, bringing it in was always a pain in the ass, so I got your mum to do that bit at the beginning, that, so we didn't have to keep doing it, and now we just do the same thing. <laughs> Every week. Have you done anything of import this week? This two weeks since we last recorded a show? I, I never do anything of import. I, I believe you just slept. No, I, I, I had an exam once. I think I slept through that, though. Yeah, it wasn't surprising. Are we leaping straight into emailage, then? I think so. If we have nothing of import. There is slight comic book news. Is there? Uh, Powers the TV show is a PlayStation exclusive show. Is it? Yeah. Good. We have read Powers. I thought you have. Have I? Bendis and... Who Cody killed Retro Girl? Yeah. Yeah, I read the first trade. I never read any more. That good, eh? I think that says it all. I'm sure it's great. I, I didn't think much of it, but... I, I, I'm not down with Bendis's pacing. It's just so painfully slow. Well, you did read it in a trade, so you were slightly luckier. Yeah, but still. I was like, oh, is that it? Yeah. <laughs> I paid that much for that. Anyway, yes, email. Dave Gutierrez is the first emailer this night. Do you like that? My two Leylands. <laughs> My two dads. <laughs> 70s ladies and the death of Gwen. Grandpa Leyland and young Michael. You can go off, people, David. <laughs> How's things? It's alright, same as it ever was. I've bust my knee. Torn the cartilage in my knee. Okay. How are you? I'm, I've not torn any cartilage in any No, I'm, I'm in pain. I'm not in pain when I sit there doing nothing. Really, so really, it shouldn't really affect my life in any way, should it? <laughs> Love the spotlight on the ladies of the 70s, says David. I was a fan of both Ms. Marvel and Shulky, and have loved reading them both in their solo and team books. Thanks for taking a closer look at the early stuff. Yes, Ms. Marvel's first series took a while to find its feet. It took a strange turn for the worse when she ended up pregnant by and with her own son. Yes, I know. Did you ever check out Burns She-Hulk title? I did indeed. I like Burns She-Hulk title. I don't think it's as good as Namor, which he was doing at pretty much the same time. And he does have an entire issue where She-Hulk just skips rope in the nude. Okay. Because he just was killing an issue. But it was alright. The art was nice. I don't suppose you've ever read it, have you? No. no. Okay. Oh, Gwen. Always special because the book always told us so. Although I must confess, I always liked her more than Murray Jane. Maybe it's the headband. Well, it does double as either handcuffs or a blindfold, so I can see how the headband would be would be useful. Well, Norman Osborn would know. Yes, yes, Norman Osborn would know. Thank you, <laughs> Mr. Straczynski. And I finally saw Amazing Spider-Man 2. Oy, I'm never getting that time back. Keep up the good work. 
fucking damn it. <laughs> it was alright, wasn't it? We keep saying, I don't think it's as bad as everyone says it is, but I don't think I it was... I thought it was really good. I don't, I don't think it was great, but it wasn't awful. I thought it was good, and then he put his mask on. I thought they were the best bits. <laughs> what do I know? Thematically, it seemed a bit all over the place. It was, it was all over the place. Alright, fair enough, not just me then. Uh, Chris Franklin has emailed in. Oh, I know something that happened. Okay. I was on Supermets with Chris and Cindy Franklin. Okay. Then. That may be up by the time this goes up. Yeah. But I'll, I'm sure I'll, I'll mention my whoring out on Facebook. Podcast whore. That I am. <laughs> oh, I've also contributed to Planet of the Apes Month on Two True Freaks. Are these all shows that weren't important enough for you to mention? <laughs> these are all these. I've had a busy week with me knee, dude. Of course. That's been uppermost on my mind. That that, that week where you were on hey, holiday. You I wasn't on holiday. Well, the, the week I was on holiday was great. And then I did big thing in and then I've been at the doctor. So, so how is it, why is it only giving you grief now if it's been it's like that all week? It's got worse over right. the week. Okay. It was originally, oh, it's just a little bit so And I was like, I will leave it for I am manly. <laughs> manly and tough. And then slowly it's gotten steadily worse. And I, I couldn't actually walk to work yesterday, man. So I had to go and Yeah, see I remember when I had a broken rib and you just laughed at me. Yeah, but you. <laughs> of course. <laughs> anyway, I was on Supermets with Christmas and It was grand. I'll plug it. And um, me and Paul Spataro, or Paul Spataro and I, <laughs> for the people in the audience who are, I get an English degree, damn it! For those people, Paul Spataro and I did... Um, a commentary for Planet of the Apes Month on Two True Freaks on Battle for the Planet of the Apes. Is that the last one? That is the last one before the new ones. Yeah. Because anyone with half a brain doesn't even acknowledge that the Tim Burton one exists. <laughs> and I'm sticking with that. <laughs> if you're offended by that, well, that means that you like the Tim Burton Planet of the Apes movie, and therefore that means that your opinion is invalid. <laughs> If you like the uh, the Marky Mark Planet of the Apes movie, I can only assume alcohol was involved. Is that anyway, the, the Michael Jackson cameo. <laughs> yes, Chris says hello, Leyland. Hello, Chris. He can't see me waving, can he? <laughs> it's an audio it so special, man. <laughs> hello, Chris. I'm very special, but I'm a creep. <laughs> I'm a weirdo. Well, yeah. Should we carry on? Beware his tiara is the, the heading of the email. I don't get the hate on for Amazing Spider-Man 2. Hey, see? I enjoyed it more than the first Amazing Spider-Man and find it way better than Spidey 3. I'd rank the Spider-Man films this way. One being the best, fifth being, well, it's Spider-Man 3. Number one, Spider-Man 2. Number two, Amazing Spider-Man 2. Number three, Spider-Man. Number four, Amazing Spider-Man. Number five, Spider-Man 3. That's like when you have football and you pick the balls up to see which team is going to get Amazing Spider-Man versus Spider-Man 2. Spider-Man 3 is much like Superman 3 in its wrong-headedness. Sure, there's no unfunny Richard Pryor in Spidey's flick, but you don't get the awesome Clark versus evil Superman fight either. Sandman being responsible for Uncle Ben's death was one of the biggest WTF moments in any film series, and his bumping into Venom and deciding to team up was just badly laughable. The jazz club scene is as bad as everyone says it is, and it's one of the few times in recent film going where I was actually squirming in my seat, embarrassed by what I was seeing. I did like Dallas Bryce Howard as Gwen, although Emma Stone would, would soon make us forget her. I, again, I don't think Spider-Man 3 is as awful as everyone says it is. I think it is. Okay. And thus ends that conversation. <laughs> As 
for your 70s comics this week. I never tire of hearing Andy's Doom impersonation. <laughs> Doctor Doom don't like it. I got a cease and desist letter. The Cage story sounded fun, but Doom did sound very undoom-like. I've never read much Cage outside of his appearance in Spidey reprints and Marvel team-up issues, but you can't deny he was pure 70s and is tailor-made for discussion here. John Stewart has changed and evolved much over the years. In fact, it's hard to say which characterization is right. Like Andy, I really enjoyed the Justice League, Justice League Unlimited version, so that's what I go to when I think of the character. Len Wein used him rather effectively as a fill-in for Hal in a classic Bronze Age JLA Christmas story. It's reprinted ad nauseum, so you should check it out. Deathlock, I am way behind on my Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. viewing, but I know he's been on the show. I know next to nothing about his comic appearances, but I do know George Perez has admitted he borrowed a bit of Luther Manning for Victor Stone, a.k.a. Cyborg. Perez was Buckler's assistant during the period he created Deathlock, so maybe it was Osmosis. There is a lot of Cyborg in Deathlock. You know, of all the things we were comparing it to, we never thought to go to Cyborg, did we? No. Despite it being the most <laughs> obvious place to go. It's just so obvious. We just <laughs> that we just completely overlooked it. Yeah. Alright, fair enough. I think one reason Buckler is sometimes unsung is because he tended to bounce from one style to another and all were fairly derivative of other artists' work. His Deathlock period seems his most original, but before he copied Kirby and later in the 70s and early 80s was a very good Neil Adams clone. He also swiped panels, figures and layouts. A lot. His Adams-like era is rife with actual Adams figural and layout swipes. I understand the fan press of the time took him to task for this, so that may have contributed to his not getting his due more often than not. Another fun one for the books. Thanks, Chris. I like Rich Buckler. I like Rich Buckler's work. And I'm not... I'm not somebody who is against swiping if it's appropriate. I mean, every artist has swiped at some point or another, haven't they? Hmm. And it's... It was perfectly acceptable at some point, and it seems to have become less acceptable in more recent years. But wasn't all of Greg Land's covers, weren't they all just traces of Playboy photos? Yeah, at one that, point. that makes sense. I think somebody's just... Was it Bleeding Cool that had a side-by-side comparison? Bleeding Cool, dude. Swipe file? Yeah, but in that case it was identical. Yeah. It wasn't swiped. Arthur Sudam's made a career out of it. Yeah, True. Very true, yeah. Just doing his zombie covers of famous other covers. But that's not con- that's considered homage. Right, okay. Uh, do you see the difference? Yes. Yeah. Luke Giaconetti's emailed in, Hey ladies, comics. It'd be nice if ladies... Well, ladies do read comics now, don't they? A lot more than when I was a kid. Hey, soul sisters, uh, brothers. Um, hey, sisters, soul sisters. I, I knew you, you knew we were yeah. going to go with that, didn't we? Anyway, wanted to drop you some quick notes about the women's lib episodes of those 70s shows. And he uses 70s lexicon. Very good, Luke. A very Marvel episode indeed, but three varied and interesting choices all round. It was a treat to hear Angela contribute to the show. I have considered asking my wife to record with me, but given her disinterest in giant monsters and horror movies, that issue seems to be a non-starter. <laughs> Maybe we can talk country music on long play. Some notes. Savage She-Hulk. Whilst, yes, she started out as a She-Hulk spin-off, no, she didn't. Whilst she started out as a Hulk spin-off, one has to applaud how She-Hulk has developed into her own unique character over the years, as you folks mentioned on the show. I have always held in my head a visual of how I would begin a She-Hulk feature film. Point of view on our heroine rushing through her morning routine, hiding her completely from the audience, and then walking down the street in Manhattan, still hiding her, with all manner of hoots, hollers, whistles and catcalls directed at her. Then smash cut to Jennifer strutting down the street in a power skirt, suit and heels, showing off all of her jade giantess attitude responding with a wry, the best you got, boys? 
cliched perhaps and certainly more sensational than Savage but you tell me that that would not set the tone for a She-Hulk movie perfectly why why is he not writing this <laughs> pitch it Marvel would probably love that idea Ms. Marvel, I was introduced to Carol Danvers in the Buziek Perez Avengers room where she adopted the codename Warbird. She never made much of an impression, essentially a no-nonsense powerhouse, although I did like her having a brush with alcoholism, which ended with Tony Stark being her sponsor. As tough a sell as Captain Marvel was, it is no surprise to me that this original take on Ms. Marvel did not catch on either. Marvel seems to really, really want Carol as Captain Marvel to be a big deal. I suspect that this is so they can make a movie starring the character. Maybe that's just me being cynical. The use of the Scorpion always reminds me of one of my favourite Spider-Man quotes from an episode of Spider-Man and his amazing friends. The wall crawler tangled with Scorpion who boasts, face it, Spider-Man, I'm stronger than you, I'm faster than you, I'm tougher than you. To which Spidey replies, well, you're certainly louder. Thanks again, guys. Looking forward to more Bronze Age stuff in the next couple of episodes, Luke. But you're very welcome, Luke. We're glad you liked it. Next, Professor Allen has emailed in. Hello, Professor. He's a proper professor, you know. Is it? Yeah. Leyland Blokes, I am thoroughly enjoying your 1970 series. Your take on Luke Cage's visit to Latveria for a $200 payment was especially excellent. It is the audacity of the premise that makes the story so classic, as well as Luke's words, my money, honey, line. I wonder if the story would be remembered at all without that specific piece of dialogue. You were on the right track that Doom would not fail to pay any debt that he or his nation incurred. That would indeed be bad for the image of Latveria as a fair and just nation based solely upon the rule of law. Documents reveal that the Latverian Postal Service lost Luke Cage's bill, but fear not, the postmaster's widow was well cared for following his annual review. <laughs> Professor Alan Middleton, Latverian Institute of Doomology. <laughs> I did amuse me. <laughs> host Quarterbin Podcast, co-host Shortbox Showcase, co-host Book Guy Show. I felt the need to mention all that, given that he's wrote it all in his signature. We are going to knock those emails upon the head, thud. But not in a way that will make them unconscious or give them a brain damage or anything like that, because we do not approve of such behaviour and we will be covering forever evil after this break mm -hmm. R what's that stand for Robin hello everyone this is Rob Myers and I'd like to invite you to check out my podcast called Robin everyone loves the Drake Rob are you going to take out the trash uh, I'm right in the middle of uh, recording a, an ad for my, my podcast I'll, I'll do it in just a little bit okay Sorry to interrupt. Boy wonder time. Boy wonder? I'm all man, lady. Uh, Rob? Uh, okay, where was I? That's right. My podcast, Robin, Everyone Loves the Drake. It'll be hosted over at thebatmanuniverse.net. I'll be covering Tim Drake's origin story from the very beginning, starting with Tim's first appearance in Batman 436, also known as Batman Year 3, and hopefully going all the way through the Robin Ongoing series, starting with issue 1 and going all the way to issue 183. 183 issues? Wow. Well, it's a good thing, because... Everyone loves the Drake. You don't like the Drake. I hate the Drake. I love the Drake. How could you not like the Drake? Who's the Drake? Who's the Drake? The Drake is good.
And we're back! Oh, it's been a while. It's been a while! <laughs> Forever Evil was DC's hot new blockbuster crossover this year that spiralled out of last year's hot bit crossover, <laughs> Trinity War. But Forever Evil is a story that started in the final pages of Flashpoint all those many four years ago. <laughs> With the help of The Flash, a mysterious woman known as Pandora changed the DC Universe as we know it and created an all-new universe, the New 52. Even longer before that, in New 52 continuity, the Trinity of Sin was banished from the Rock of Eternity, creating the Phantom Stranger, the Question, and Pandora herself. Each person was accused of committing a sin. Pandora's was opening a box and unleashing the sins trapped inside upon the world. It was much later, five years ago, that a group of superpowered individuals teamed up to stop the invasion of an alien being named Darkseid and the forces of Apocalypse. These individuals called themselves the Justice League and after stopping the attack were officially recognised as a team by the world. The man responsible for bringing Wonder Woman into civilization from a home in Themyscira, Steve Trevor, acted as the League's official liaison for the League and head of Argus, a group designed to stop superpowered threats and contain unknown objects, was dropped as their liaison and replaced by Amanda Waller. After a victim of Darkseid's attack, David Graves used the League's personal lives against them. With too much bad history between them, Wonder Woman realised that Trevor wasn't as safe as she thought he was and decided to leave him out of her life completely. Later, Pandora broke into the Red Room at Argus headquarters and stole the infamous Pandora's box. Shortly after, a submarine was hacked and their payload was launched into the ocean, hitting a target long thought myth. Oceans overflooded Metropolis, Gotham, Boston, and several other cities as Atlantis declared war on mankind after the attack. Aquaman, torn between the League and his heritage, learned that the missile hacking was the work of his former mentor, Volko, and stopped his brother, King Orm, from attacking, placing him under arrest and taking his place as King of Atlantis. During the attack, Cyborg used what he calls the Grid to call in other superheroes to help with the fight, a decision that makes the Justice League consider opening their ranks. The attack was all Amanda Waller and Argus needed to create a new group that worked for the government, the Justice League of America, that was designed to take down the Justice League. The JLA's first mission was to investigate a group of supervillains known as the Secret Society that remained a secret. Hence the name. Yeah. However, all the League finds is an android created by Professor Ivo that replicates the Justice League. While the Justice League are on Earth, Despero attacks the Watchtower and the new recruits on board. Despero is beaten by the Martian Manhunter, an enemy of the League, and one of the new recruits, the Atom, begs Trevor and Waller to let her stop spying on the League. With the help of Martian Manhunter and Catwoman, the JLA locates and infiltrates the villain's lure and their leader, but they get away after attacking Dr. Light. Pandora meets Superman and Wonder Woman and gives Superman her box, hoping he'll open it, but all he does is go evil for a little bit. <laughs> Wonder Woman gave Superman her box, did she? Pandora did. That's, oh, that's right. Wonder Woman was watching. Even better. <laughs> However, when the Justice League find and stop Shazam in Kandak, they are met by the JLA, and the two groups start fighting after Superman kills Dr. Light. Superman gives in, and Argus keeps him contained, but is freed by the question, as Wonder Woman seeks the help of the Justice League Dark to locate Pandora's box. As Superman escapes, the three leagues are torn apart and fight over finding the box. Superman and his followers return to Argus as the secret society detonates Dr. Light's body on them and Wonder Woman finds Pandora in the box and takes it for herself. 
The heroes fight each other over the box due to its influence, but John Constantine takes it, being unaffected, and escapes with Satana. The box takes them to the Temple of Hephaestus in Greece, where they find Madame Zanadu, and the leader of the secret society tells them that the box is a doorway. Suddenly, Constantine finds himself against the entire DCU as everyone fights over the box. However, during the fight, the leader of the secret society grabs the box and opens the doorway. The Atom reveals herself to be a mole working for the leader and planted a shard of kryptonite in Superman's brain that caused him to kill Dr. Light. She also uses the reprogrammed grid to take control of Cyborg and separates itself from Victor's body. The portal opened as a doorway to Earth 3, and that world's Alfred Pennyworth, the leader of the secret society, welcomes the crime syndicate. That was a hell of a lot of lead-up to this story. Well, I did a brief stuff of all the Justice League and Justice League of America stuff, and then I did a more closer synopsis of Trinity War, because this spirals out of it. Yes, yes. And yes, Trinity War was just set up for this, wasn't it? Yeah. Which is just set up for the next thing, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I only read Forever Evil. Well, no. I read all of it thinking, it's Jeff Jones, there's probably going to be nods here and there, and I'm reading going, oh, wow, well, there are nods here and there, I was right. So you reread the entire Justice League for this? Yeah. Wow. And JLA. I am very impressed by your commitment at this point in the game. <laughs> you know, this close to the end, most people just phone it in. Yeah, well. Just look at William Shatner last season of Star Trek. <laughs> Lee Majors in the last series of Six Million Dollar Man. It's just a paycheck at that point. But we? No, no. There is no close. paycheck. Yeah, so. Exactly, so we're on all <laughs> cylinders still. Forever Evil number one, cover dated November 2013, has a cover that makes me think of the March of the Villains. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Only maybe not as whimsical. Well, there is an Otis. There is indeed an Otis in this story, isn't there? Yeah. Meet the New World Order, runs the cover copy. A number of major DC adversaries from Lex Luthor and Sinestro, Catwoman to Black Adam, march towards us. Oddly, Harley Quinn is here, but the Joker isn't. Joker's dead at this point. Is he? Yeah. Oh, so he is. He fell down into the water in the cave in Death of the Family, didn't he? He did. So he doesn't actually exist at the minute, does he? No. He's not dead, though, is he? Probably not. I wouldn't have thought so. Mm. In contrast to Hush last week, Catwoman has took to wearing her costume unzipped to expose her cleavage, and Harley now wears a suspenders, garter belt, and a bustier. Um, not a fan. It's... it's, it's, um, it's and yet not. Poison Ivy was a full-body costume. Yeah, it's not that I'm not a fan per se it's Catwoman can be sexy without flashing us her tits can't she and has been who is the sexiest live action Catwoman Julie Newmar right covered from head to toe yeah isn't she and it's like I don't I don't understand why Catwoman would walk round wearing a, a jumper that is unzipped all the way to her belly button. Because that's what 14-year-old boys like, and Dan DiDio's still a 14-year-old boy. Do you think that's DiDio, though? No, How much it's... day-to-day running of the comics does DiDio actually have? I, mean, I think we may be blaming him I, well, unnecessarily. I, it's a company, and so they know their audience. And I guess they want to aim low. See, because my thinking is Bob Harass or Bob Harris, however you pronounce it, is the day-to-day runner of the comics, and a number of the issues that everyone has with these at the minute is the same issues that people had with Marvel in the 90s. Who was editor-in-chief of Marvel in the 90s? Was it Bob Harris? Bob Harris. (laughs) 
So, I mean, I mean, I really don't like Harley Quinn's new outfit at all. I've said before, there's no reason she was sexy as, as in what she wore on the animated series. And again, covered from head to toe. Yeah. I don't see the need for her to be wearing a, a bustier and stocking and suspenders. Mm. I don't, I don't think that that's necessary, but it's, you know, it's an aesthetic that seems to be working for them, doesn't it? That cover was also used for the Villains Month advertising, wasn't it? Was it? Because half of those characters aren't even in this issue. No, most of those characters aren't even in this issue, are they? Yeah. Anyway, okay, fair enough. Forever Evil Part 1, Nightfall, see what they did there? I do, yeah. Was written by Jeff Johns, with art by David Finch and Richard Case. Whilst in a helicopter with the head of Code Industries, Grid, or The Grid, shuts down all the power and communications in Metropolis, causing the chopper to crash, and begins working on shutting down Gotham. In Gotham, Nightwing is returning Zaz to Arkham Asylum, where he sees a mysterious woman rip the entrance doors off the asylum. Before he can interfere, he's beaten and kidnapped by someone who resembles Batman. While recovering from the crash into LexCorp Tower, Superman flies into the building and takes a shard of kryptonite. The rogues are trying to break into Iron Heights to free the trickster, but it interrupted when the Flash and the Atom break in and kill a security guard. In Belle Reve Penitentiary, Amanda Waller is trying to convince Black Manta to join the Suicide Squad, but it interrupted by Firestorm and the Green Lantern. Luthor watches Superman crush the kryptonite with his hands before inhaling the powder. He turns to reveal a U on his chest as he boasts that he's the strongest again before flying off, telling Grid to locate other sources of kryptonite. With no signs of the Justice League, the freed villains gather at the site of the downed watchtower in Rhode Island, where they meet the crime syndicate. The syndicate throw down the League's belongings, Superman's cape, Wonder Woman's lasso, remember that, it's slightly important, and mm. Aquaman's trident. The Justice League is dead, states Ultraman. The crime syndicate consists of Ultraman, Owlman, Superwoman, Powering, Deathstorm, Johnny Quick, and Atomica. They came from another world that they ruled until it turned against them. They chose this world to rule and kill the Justice League upon arrival. Monocle speaks against them from the crowd and is killed by Ultraman. On a broadcast shown on every screen in the world, the syndicate drag Nightwing on stage and reveal his identity of Dick Grayson to the world. With the villains on their side, the syndicate send them out to destroy everything Dick holds dear. Later, standing in the sunset, Ultraman feels the pain of the sunlight and so flies into the sky. As Lex Luthor watches the moon fly over the sun to cover it completely, he states that this is a job for Superman. But where the hell is he? <laughs> that was a good synopsis, that. I just think your synopsis was better than the actual story. I enjoyed the opening. The opening. Yeah. Lex Luthor is a ruthless businessman. Seems to be uh, one of the major success stories of the post-crisis Superman era, surviving reboots, retooling, and even media. Luther was a businessman in the 90s animated series, and Lois and Clark, as well as Smallville. Even Mark Wade, not the biggest fan of the post-crisis Superman, it has to be said, acknowledged the validity of that version of the character and included him in the infamous reboot that never was Birthright, and Johns used it prior in another infamous reboot that never was Secret Origin. It's the best kind of chilling. Luther is an utter scumbag yeah. in this opening scene threatening the man whose business he's attempting to buy, not just with his own life, but with the lives of his family. And it's going to be interesting, as we go through this, to point out all the way that Johns takes Luther's character and actually makes him sympathetic. Because this is 
because he, he it's mirrored he the echoes this yeah. scene in the very last issue where suddenly you're thinking so Luther's a nice guy now mm. and then there's a part of you that's like no that, that's not happening surely it was a good opening yeah I, I, I did like quite like how he threatened him. Yeah, subtly. Well, if, well, without actually threatening him. I, I like the really brutal and dark and bad guy stuff in this series. And that opening bit where, and then, after your death, you will we'll we'll introduce your wife to this really nice bloke. <laughs> and then he'll bug her off and she'll kill herself because her son's on drugs. So Lex, you heartless Yeah, he's a scumbag, isn't he? Yeah. In this opening scene. Um... My my issue mainly with this one was how the hell did Lex survive a helicopter crash that took out the top floor of a building and completely decimated the front of the chopper? Looking at the art on the top <laughs> yeah. of that page with the helicopter crashes, there are no page numbers, so we'll just have to deal with that as we go. But there is no way in hell anyone who's in the front of that helicopter survived. He's in the back. There's no way anyone in the back of it. All that's left of that is the tail section. Well, if you're sitting closer to the tail. <laughs> how close to the tail? Pretty close. <laughs> Fortunately, yeah. What I want to know is how, how did they aim for Lexco? Because they're very lucky that they should crash. Of all the buildings <laughs> yeah. in Metropolis that they should... Well, they were on the way to Lexco. So I presume yeah. if you assume that they blew up just as they were approaching Lexco... That kind of all right, fair enough. But yeah, it is it is quite coincidental that, that I mean they they are heading for the helipad at Lexcore. But if you actually have a look at it, they're heading for the helipad at Lexcore, which is on the roof of yeah. the Lexcore building. Yet somehow they managed to crash into the top of the Lexcore building. How does that work then, Ted? It's not the only inconsistency in the series. No, no, there's quite a few of them. <laughs> One of them on these this page. Yeah. David Finch seems to be emulating Gary Frank, but not good Gary Frank. And there's a picture on the floor in, in panel two of, of page five where Lex, Lex's facial structure completely changes. Is that picture in panel two supposed to be the same picture that's in panel three of Lex Luthor? He's kind of standing at an angle angle in the first one yeah so is it a different picture because if it is it looks like it's a completely different person yeah art wise but then it zooms in on it to show the broken picture of Lex presumably representing his fractured psyche in somewhere Mm. but it looks like two different people doesn't it yeah so I mean Finch's artwork is not very good it's not very let's be honest in this series well, at all anymore. Do you not like it at all? No. Alright, fair enough. I'd say Batman 700 is the last good thing I think he did before he went downhill. Alright. Or, okay. or I don't know enough about him to say. I mean, it's it's one of those things that it's it's alright. It tells the story, apart from the, the helicopter yeah. sequentially changing direction <laughs> as to how it crashed, and Luther's face changing in between panels. But it does the job. Yeah. I think his covers are the worst. There's one where Lex is fighting Batman and Batman just looks really... Yeah, really well, I've, I've got notes about that as, as we go along. I liked the tablet saying the world is ours. That was a nice little bit of foreshadowing as we go along. Yeah. But going back to the artwork, we've got a shot of Nightwing swinging. And there's no feeling of weight or motion to Nightwing on page 8, is there? No. I mean, especially seeing as he's swinging through Gotham... 
carrying a body under his arm. Yeah. And there is no feeling of him having to compensate for what he's doing. There's no way in hell that a body in that position swinging at that angle could carry Mr. Zars as he is doing in that picture. Mm. And I know there's willing suspension of disbelief in comics and there's bludging in it, bludgeoning it into unconsciousness. Yeah. But next week we're going to do Legends, which is a crossover from the 80s that is essentially has many of the same story elements as this does, which is why we picked it. Right. We'll just chuck this stuff together. <laughs> and the shots in that of Batman swinging where mm. you totally buy that he's swinging. Yeah. Even though it is just as implausible. Whereas that, I just don't... There's no way he could be supporting himself. Mm. He's perfectly straight as well. Yeah, it's, it's not physically possible for him to be doing that. Yeah, in that picture, it's it's got nothing. Batman and Robin swinging around Gotham always requires huge suspension of disbelief. But this is just posed and stiff and doesn't work. A lot of it's all posed. Yeah, I suppose so. Uh, speaking of Dick, as we were, it's an open <laughs> secret that Mr. Didio has never liked Dick Grayson. Devin Grayson said in a recent interview he made no secret of his hatred for the character from the minute he walked in the door. And again, it's old news that Dick was scheduled to die in Final Crisis before... In Infinite Crisis, sorry, yes, thank you. I always make that mistake, don't I? Yeah. Before Jeff Johns talked Didio out of it. I'd like to know the basis for that hatred. What makes the publisher of a comics company so despise a character that has been around for decades and has a loyal and vocal fan following? And has successfully had his own comic series since the early 1990s. I'd be interested in hearing him talk about that genuinely and not in a, a jokey way. You know, yeah. I came in, I was going to kill Dick. I'd genuinely like to know what the basis for that is. It's also a very open secret that this series isn't going to go well for Dick. Yeah. And we start, as we mean to go on, with him being beaten mercilessly and then essentially being hung by the neck. Yes. <laughs> As somebody who is quite the big fan of Nightwing, I wasn't too impressed with these openings. Yeah. But, you know, the story is what the story is. I don't to see what Jack Johns does to people he doesn't like. <laughs> he I just pa- kills them off. Yes, yeah. Apparently the man that Lex Luthor was blackmailing also survived the helicopter crash. Well, not for long. Explain that to me. Um, How the hell... Did he get onto the rear propeller blades, given that he was sitting next to Lex Luthor? If we accept that Luthor made it out of this crash alive, alright, big, big give, but okay. Yeah. Then that guy should have been next to Lex. They were sitting next to each other in the helicopter. Well, the, the door is on the floor. So the way it's landed, mm. you open the door, that's alright, you just, you just step out on the floor. So, so how's he got to be hanging from the rear propeller blades? Maybe he was showing off. So what you're saying is he was thrown out of the helicopter before it managed to take a, a bizarre 90 degree angle turn <laughs> to crash into a different area of the building. Yeah. But somehow he managed to grab onto the rear propellers that will have been spinning. Or maybe he got thrown out of the helicopter during the crash because he didn't have his seatbelt on and held on to it. He got thrown out of the helicopter backwards and grabbed hold of the propellers that will have been spinning. Well, didn't, he didn't fall that much. It don't make any sense. 
I, if I'm going to accept that Lex has been thrown free of the chopper, then I would have accepted him if he'd been at the side of Lex, and maybe Lex had kicked him off. Yeah, or something. But uh, I didn't. I didn't buy that at all. <laughs> to be honest with you. So there's two big buys there in the opening of this episode. Yeah. That I was like, no, I don't get that. And then we've got Ultraman comes in. Does the U stand for despair on his world? <laughs> I see what you did there. Yeah, thank you very much. Did he really just snort kryptonite like it was cocaine? Yeah, I found that funny. I'm doing the notes and I'm like, but do, do I put snort it? What you know, that's what he does. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, you can only tell us what he does. I mean, you can be as as delicate as you want to be if you're covering something that maybe we're using language that people can listen to. Yeah. Children, specifically. <laughs> but that he does, he snorts the cocaine. The kryptonite. The kryptonite, yeah. The tryptocaine. The kryptocaine, yes. It's a new drug. <laughs> All the kids are doing it. I mean, this isn't a bad introduction to the alternative crime syndicate, and keeping them all in shadow works quite well, because mm. you are being led to believe this is Superman, aren't you? Yeah. You said Superman in your synopsis, but it's Superman in, in her quotes. And it was, it was, it was okay. I, I didn't mind the introduction. There's also another inconsistency with David Finch's Ultraman. Mm-hmm. The U just keeps on changing. It does, doesn't it? Even on that page, it looks a little bit thinner and in, in it, the top panel. It gets really thin as well later on, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, alright. It's, it's not that bad, I suppose. Uh, the final section of the book actually felt a little bit rushed with the crime syndicate rounding up the supervillain population and informing them of the death of the Justice League rather quickly. Mm. We never actually see the death of the Justice League. We never see them take the League over. We never see any of that in this series. I presume we saw it in Trinity War? No. That's, oh. I like that about it, actually. That um, we don't see it. Yeah, because you're just all. as in the dark as the characters are. So the idea that they could be lying yeah. is part of the narrative. Yeah. Alright, fair enough. Nightwing's unmasking is rather low-key, all things considered. They just kind of wheel him out and take his mask off. I did like that Lex was like, who the hell's Dick Grayson? Yeah. (laughs) Like, Lex doesn't know who he is. Mm. Which, uh, I don't know. I don't know what I thought about that, to be honest. It's an intriguing setup. I particularly like the ending where Lex going, this is a job for Superman. So where the hell is he? Yeah. I liked that a lot. I thought that was quite clever. It's interesting rather than good. It's very New 52 in that it's as dark as cold and brutally violent, but that's DC's shtick now. Either you accept that all the work is going to be like this and take it on its own merits or reject it and don't read it. So for the most part I'm not really going to be dwelling on that because we accept that that's part of it now. Yeah. Don't we? It's an okay beginning. I can't say it grabbed me by the lapels and demanded my attention, but nor can I say I was turned off with it with no interest in reading on. It was okay. And that may be... That's my problem with it. It caused no strong emotions either way, apart from Nightwing being hung by the neck. Be interested to see if the series gets me to cur and have some emotional attachment to it or if I remain detached throughout. It's well constructed with the pulse that cuts out the powers at the beginning and cutting off all the power, and Ultraman causing an eclipse at the end and shows again John's attention to detail in plotting his stories. The other issue was I really felt like I'd missed something, and this was interesting, because I'm normally the big proponent of starting your story in as far as possible, and not seeing the crime syndicate take out the JLA made the story feel lopsided. Mm. But 
it does, like you say, it does enhance the feeling that you're reading it going, nah, that can't be true. Yeah. They must be lying. And you're waiting for the big Justice League hero moment. That... I think if you're waiting for that, you're going to be disappointed. <laughs> yeah. If you're waiting for what happened to the Justice League, you're going to be disappointed. Yeah. That's... I mean, at the beginning, I was all right with it. Yeah. I'm like, all right, you're starting the story as far in as possible. I presume at some point you're going to tell me what happened to them, and we're going to get a big dun 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 finale. Yeah. And we don't. I... I'll, I'll, I'll say what we've been better later on. All right. But when you get to it, it's just, oh, that's it. That's it. Yeah. It is pretty much a damp squib when you get to the end of it, isn't it? Yeah. Um, it was, you know, it was, it was okay. Yeah. That was, that was pretty much my beginning to it. Forever Evil 2, the cover for issue 2 is by David Finch, who's a member of the syndicate standing over fallen members of the Teen Titans. You know, Superwoman's there, who I thought was Wonder Woman. Did you? Yeah. You've read Grant Morrison's Earth 2? Oh yeah, but it was a while ago. I've completely forgotten that's, Superwoman that's, was, like, was Lois Lane. That's essentially what this is. Yes, it is, isn't it? Yeah. Well, there's lots of stuff in this from previous stories. Yeah. Final Night in Moving the Sun. Yeah. The Moon in Front of the Sun. And there's other stuff that we'll point out as we go along. Go on, tell us about issue two. The cover's all right, isn't it? Well, um, Ultraman looks completely different. Yes, he does. He does indeed. And the Flash looks like the alien from Aliens. Yeah. With his big head. Why is he wearing that mask that has the big beehive? Um, is it aerodynamic or something? Yeah, because runners use them, don't they? All right, fair enough. Oh, cyclists, cyclists do, yeah. Do, yeah. The Teen Titans prepare to read the Watchtower to rescue Dick, what's the villains wreck havoc across the country. In the Watchtower, Johnny Quick and Owlman argue over how to rule the world before Johnny and Atomica leave. Ultraman checks upon Alfred to see how the unknown hitchhiker they brought with them is doing, but he apparently hasn't talked. He and Owlman discuss what they should do with the hitchhiker and argue over whether the thing that destroyed the world has followed them or not. Ultraman leaves to take care of an uprising in Kandak, while Superman and Owlman discuss the child that she's carrying. That's important. <laughs> Jim Gordon leads a large task force into attacking the Watchtower, but are in- intercepted by Johnny Quick and Atomica, who are then attacked by the Titans. However, the two make short work out of both the Titans and the task force. Elsewhere, in the sub-basements of LexCorp, Lex releases his clone of Superman from his container. However, the clone needs another five years to be perfect, but because of the power blackout, it needs to be released now, or else it'll start dying. Lex dons his power suit, accompanied by his Bizarro... B-Zero. Yes. (laughs) um, And is prepared to take on the Syndicate. Meanwhile, at Star Labs, Silas Stone and Professor Morrow are protecting the Red Room from any <laughs> villains that plan on raiding it. Suddenly, there is a bang on the door before it collapses down. Before the two can fire their cannon at the intruders, Batman and Catwoman rush in, carrying the remains of Victor Stone's barely alive body. The two rush to help him and ask where is the rest of the League. Batman replies, they didn't make it. They didn't make it. Swear to me. <laughs> they didn't make it. They didn't make it. Um, this is, I was just going to say something and got distracted by your Christian Bale impression. Um, <laughs> bomb. Some days you can't get rid of a bomb. <laughs> Some days you just can't talk. Uh, from the opening of this, it's pretty clear Luther's going to be the one that stands up to the crime syndicate, which will, of course, lead to him 
joining the Justice League at the which, end of the series. Which we knew anyway. Yeah, we knew we knew that. We should have just we should have just spoiled the at the end of the issue before the start. There of were the still show. a couple of ser- surprises in it for me, but yeah. I don't keep us up to date with DC solicitations as you do. Mm. So well, I don't really. I've stopped reading the descriptions just in case. Yeah. All right. Yeah. See, I was wondering where this would go because just because Luther's out to stop the crime syndicate, don't make he's a good guy. Yeah. He's got a vested interest in stopping them. Yeah. And so it's it's going to be interesting to see how a lot, a lot plays out as we go along. The security guard's name was Otis. And looks like a David Finch version of Otis. In that way... Mr. Luthor. In, in that way, you know that he's supposed to look like <laughs> Otis. It's supposed to be Ned Beater, but he didn't have the lightness rights, so he's deliberately drawn him to look a bit crap. <laughs> of course, yeah. Is that what we're saying? Yeah. Uh, Nightwing's identity being revealed... Does open a can of words. We see Red Robin's reaction to it and Barbara Gordon's reaction to it. That's pretty much it for Night- Batgirl's reaction, isn't it? We don't see her again, do we? Uh, no. Despite not being well known, last issue Lex greeted his unmasking with who the hell's Dick Grayson. It doesn't really take a genius to put it all together. Yeah. And realise that Dick Grayson was Bruce Wayne's ward, and surely from there is just to connect the dots exercise to Bruce Wayne being Batman. Which is essentially what Lex Luthor does yeah. at the end of the story. But he doesn't laugh at it and don't, doesn't believe. No, he doesn't. Which would have been another neat little Yeah, neat little homage yeah. to the past if he'd just gone, no way Bruce <laughs> Wayne's Batman. Yeah. But he doesn't do that. He actually goes, ah. And so I liked how he put it all together. Yeah. But it it isn't hard, is it? No. <laughs> Even though, I mean, wouldn't... Bruce and Dick be considerably more famous. If Bruce yeah. Wayne is one of the world's richest men, he's going to be one of the top ten eligible bachelors mm. on Time magazine or Cosmopolitan <laughs> or one of them, isn't he? Yeah. And he's got a very good-looking adoptive son. Surely they're they're going to be moderately famous. I, I, I don't think Lex Luthor bothers. No, but Lex is up in the business world. Wouldn't he know yeah. that Bruce Wayne, who arguably is one of his competitors, yeah. has an adoptive son called Dick Grayson? Would he not know that? Thanks. Or do you think Lex would consider that not something he needs to know? Yeah. Alright. Okay, fair enough. When was the jail watchtower destroyed? Uh, when Despero attacked it. When was that? An earlier issue of Justice League? It was in the prologue to Trinity War. Right. He specifically downed it. Right. For this. Okay, fair enough. But um, that, that does beg the question of if you noticed outside it's sideways. Yeah. The watchtower is on its side. Yes. How are they all standing up inside it then? So they're not walking on the walls no, when they're, they're inside. Walking it. on the floor. Maybe it's anti gravity stuff is still working. Right, okay. Yeah. So you can still walk <laughs> on the floors. Because like it's always in, when you watch sci fi TV and movies and they get shot and blown up and shields are down 20% and sparks fly everywhere. Yeah. The gravity's never lost. <laughs> you notice? Yeah. Apart from Star Trek 6, where they make a point of it. Uh, I did like, like being in speech marks, obviously, the debusive relationship between Ultraman and Superwoman which I thought was quite interesting. I wonder if this is planting the seeds of discord that will ultimately bring them down. I wrote when I first read it. And yeah. it does, doesn't it? it yeah. It is the Wonder Wonder Woman. The Ultra Woman, Superman, Jesus. Ultraman yeah. relationship. And it, she, she does it twice as well. She does. Since she tricks two guys. 
My main... Yeah, she does, doesn't she? Our old man as well. She tricks two guys into paying her child benefits. <laughs> Very shrewd. You know, these three would be brilliant on Jeremy Kyle. <laughs> yeah. And the Ultraman, Owl Man and Superwoman on Jeremy Kyle. Yeah. And Jeremy Kyle just getting all the Ultraman's face. Ultraman and then burns his, his face head off. Yeah. <laughs> I would watch that edition of Jeremy Kyle. So would I. <laughs> um, I. Like I said, I was surprised to find out that was Lois. I, I didn't remember that. My main thing with this, in reading this, it's very much like The Authority and The Ultimates. Yeah. Which says more about The Authority and The Ultimates than it does about this, because at least these are bad guys. Yeah. But I meant more in, in the tone of it. The tone is very similar to The Ultimates and The Authority. Just blow stuff up well, and getting the job done. Yeah, but... Collateral damage, and lots of it. Yeah, and it just totally felt like that. But yeah. at least this was a story about bad guys. Yeah. And not good guys. It it doesn't have Matt Miller's cynicism or Warren Ellis's black humour, hmm. but it felt like it was of a, a similar piece yeah. to The Authority and, and The Ultimate. The middle section just rattles through quite nicely. It's a good little action beat. Luther ordering the clone to kill Otis was quite chilling. <laughs> but cloning a Superman that makes a bizarro... That seemed awfully familiar from somewhere. Yeah. I don't remember where. <laughs> the Teen Titans fight didn't even have them put up a good showing. Which was extremely disappointing, wasn't it? The yeah. Teen Titans were crap in this. I think the Teen Titans are crap. No, the Teen Titans were better than this. These Teen Titans... Well, I don't really know a lot about these Teen Titans, to be honest with you. Uh, we get to the end, of course, Batman's the one that survived. Oh, Bizarro's costume, though. Well, it's not so much a co- He puts his T-shirt on the wrong way around. Hey, look, he's got sleeves there, right? Yes. Next page, he's wearing a T-shirt. So he is! Next issue, he's wearing the full Superman body armour. Issue after that, he's back to wearing the uh, ripped T-shirt. Consistency, that name is David Finch. God, there's in fact Batman there missing half of a face. Yes. Right? Missing, well, half of his face mask. Yeah, not yeah. half of his face. <laughs> right? Just wait until the next issue. Yeah. Is it back? Back and off. In in panel after panel. Right, okay. Yeah, well, there is a lot of inconsistencies in Finch's artwork. What was the editor on this book? Oh, I don't think they bother anymore, do they? They just pay him off. I don't think they give a toss anymore, the editors. I really don't. Uh, Bleak, nihilistic and grim. This issue sets up a world where people with the power of DC's pantheon of heroes take over the world. It's a less humorous take on Superman 2. Isn't it? Yeah. Essentially. They have a man held captured with a bag over his head, which is implied that this is somewhere is related to capturing an unmasking Nightwing. That actually doesn't pan out, does it? Oh, no. Isn't it nothing to do with capturing and unmasking Nightwing? I didn't think it was anything to do with that, no. I thought, reading through it originally, I thought it was something to do with that, but no. maybe I was just applying a level that, that wasn't actually there. What I didn't really like about this mm. was, you know how they start heavily implying that this, the moon is going to start moving again? Yes. And so He so keeps moving it back into position, doesn't he? No. He I'm sure he go- does He says he's point. going to, right. but he just it, it doesn't happen. They make a big deal out. Like, oh, he's going to move, and you're going to Maybe there's an entire spin-off devoted to it. There could be. <laughs> that we've never read. <laughs> <laughs> there was. You know uh, how they said Aquaman died? Yeah. He shows up in the Justice League Dark miniseries. 
because the Justice League Dark stuff and the Phantom Stranger and Constantine and that they have their own little mini series. So does it not tie into Aquaman? Forever Evil Blight, and I've no idea. Right. Yeah, you know, he had his villains month one, right. but Aquaman goes and shows up in that other book. Okay, well he's not the only dead character who shows up, is he? Uh, well, you see him die in Trinity War. I thought you said Black Adam died. Oh yeah, and he's alive in this. There's that as well. Yeah, Trinity War starts with Shazam, Scatter. Does he not come back in one of the villains month issues? No idea. Possibly. <laughs> See, that's what I mean, though. It, it, this doesn't stand on its own, does it? At no. all. It doesn't really stand with what it's supposed to stand with, though. If you're buying this off a bookshelf as a seven-issue series and expecting a beginning, a middle, and an end, you're going to be disappointed. But on the other hand of that, it's it's Blackest Night. No, see, I would argue at least Blackest Night stood on its own. This sort of you could read Blackest Night. No, well, you've you've already said well, that happened and he was dead, but he's alive in there. So once you, yeah, but once you forget that. that <laughs> <laughs> so once you forget that rather important element, yeah, yeah. it works. I mean, the, the, it's Jeff Johns. He just kills off bad guys in every issue, doesn't it? Jeff Johns... I mean, he's killed off somebody in issue one, isn't y- Yeah, Monocle, right? Yeah. Jeff Johns, he seems to dive into DC's history, picks a villain at random who's really obscure and no one will really know him, and kills him off anyway. Like Monocle? Yeah. yeah. All right, okay, no, I, I, I didn't think it stood on its... But we'll, we'll get to that when we get to the end, I suppose. It just felt like Blackest Night. We, it's something Johns is telling as part of his Justice League. But Blackest but, Night wasn't his fault, was it? Wasn't well, Blackest Night... I'm not saying this was either. ...dictated to him? I'm, I not what I'm saying is it's from his ongoing series yeah. that they've then made into his own event yeah and he's even done these his own ongoing series as the tie-ins to that series like which, Blackest which Night leads into what we're going to do now we did read the Justice League issues yeah because you they, made me they were important they kind of were yeah actually <laughs> Justice League issue 24 the cover of which is a, a pastiche of Justice League number one. I like it, it's reversed as well. Yeah, I quite like that. I thought that was quite cool. Oh. <laughs> I was going to say, you're going to tell us what happens in it. I thought we should talk about the cover. It's, it's alright, it's like I say, it's a, a pastiche of Justice League number one. I don't really have anything else. It's much better art wise than, uh, than what we've been seeing in the Forever Evil book. Yeah. But is, is this Ivan Rice? Is the cover Ivan Rice? Yeah. Yeah, so it is. After Jim Lee. Although that looks like it says better than Jim Lee. <laughs> no, it does say after. <laughs> Ultraman leaves the Watchtower to stop a threat in Kandak, but makes a stop in Metropolis to see how it differs from his own. Before he can kill Jimmy Olsen and Lois Lane for disappointing him, the grid informs him that the threat in Kandak is heading towards him, and he is attacked by Black Adam. Who's dead. Who should be dead. Right. But it got better. But got better, yeah. yeah. Uh... I liked this one, beginning with a really twisted retelling of Superman's origin. This examination of who Ultraman is and how he came to be is both warped and compelling. Jor-Il's line to Lara, oh, hurry up and die, was really darkly <laughs> funny. <laughs> if there's one line out of this entire yeah, series, oh, hurry up and die. It was darkly humorous, <laughs> yeah. wasn't it? it was, uh, I chuckled at that as well. As was his treatment of, of his version of Johnny and Martha Kent, who in this telling are two smackhead losers. It reminded me of the Bennets from Justified, only without their redeeming qualities. And if you've seen Justified and know the Bennets, <laughs> don't really have any redeeming qualities. 
Again, Jones is taking elements from previous stories, in this case the 90s crossover Final Night, as well as Zod's rampage to the Daily Planet, again from Superman 2, and amping up the threat level and lowering the lighting. This is a much needed glimpse into the character of this version of Ultraman, which we haven't got at all from Forever Evil, which is too busy focusing on Lex. Yeah. Because Forever Evil, let's be honest, is Lex's story, isn't it? Yeah. He's the character who changes over the course of, of the arc. His shattering of... Sorry. Ultraman's shattering of Jimmy's hand actually made me wince. That entire scene? Yeah. If this wasn't a comic book, you're basically looking there at Jimmy Olsen never getting full use out of that hand again. Yeah. Aren't you? Because he crushes every bone in his hand, doesn't he? Mm. Oh, certainly that's what's implied. So I think Jimmy's looking at having a stump there. Yeah. If this wasn't a comic book story. Blaming the parents for the sins of the child is cliched, pop psychology at its worst, but Black Adam showing up to clean Ultraman's clock was satisfying. Again, it's as bleak as hell, but I thought this was better than any of the Forever Evil yeah. issues we've read so far. I thought the three origin issues were the best ones. Yes, yeah. the, the Justice League stuff was better than Forever Evil. I just, I just really like the Syndicate. and But they're not the focus of Forever Evil, are they? No. I mean, the grid is... Yeah. He's, he's a big focus of Forever Evil. And Superwoman's machinations, kind of, I suppose. Yeah. But all the cool stuff with Ultraman happens in Justice League. But I kind of like how... I like them because of the bad guys. <clears throat> and But also how the, there's... Bring on the bad guys. The, they're not, they don't like each other as well. They all pretty oh, much no, they hate each other, each other yeah. don't they? And so they're all, they're all like blackmailing each other and doing things behind <laughs> each other's backs and that. They're like that band that are really popular and successful... Actually, can't stand each other. Yeah, <laughs> like any other boy band. Then, yeah. <laughs> Forever Evil Three. The covers a big fight. Lex in his pre-crisis battle armor and his bizarre clone take on Black Manta, Black Adam, and other characters without the word "black" in the title, such as Captain Cold. It's all right, isn't it? Yeah, it's okay. It does, does the job. <laughs> Can you imagine if it was the seventies? Black Manta, Black Adam. Black Zaro. <laughs> Cold. <laughs> Black Zaro. <laughs> oh, dear God. Black Captain Cold. Black Cold. Cold Black. Mm. Tell us what happens in Forever Evil 3, Michael. Whilst working on trying to save Vic, Batman tells Silas and Morrow what happened to the League. Can I just say I love the name T.O. Morrow? <laughs> As soon as the Syndicate arrived, Deathstorm opened up Firestorm, revealing the Matrix inside him that absorbed all the heroes except for Batman and Catwoman who managed to escape with Vic's body. Of course, because he's Batman! <laughs> yeah. Batman sees Nightwing's unveiling in on the Red Room's computers and decides to leave to rescue him. Back in Metropolis, Lex and Bizarro use a satellite dish to communicate with Lex's satellites that the Syndicate hasn't taken over. Ultraman fights Black Adam over the ocean and is harmed by the magic. After taking Black Adam down, Grid informs Ultraman of Metallo's location, and Ultraman heads off to the Kryptonite. Lex watches Ultraman flying and notices that he avoids the sunlight on the Umbra of the Eclipse. Meanwhile in Central City, Deathstorm and Powering meet up with the rogues about them refusing to level their city. Powering panics and attacks. The rogues retaliate and Deathstorm removes the DNA that attaches Captain Cold to his gun, leaving him powerless. The rogues escape through a mirror, but it smashes, separating Cold from the rogues. Finding himself alone in Metropolis, Cold finds Lex and joins him and Bizarro, as well as Black Manta, who has carried Black Adam out of the ocean. Um, 
we do get an explanation as to what happened to the Justice League in this issue. It's kind of dispatched with pretty quickly. They're all inside Firestorm. But that is it. That's it, yeah. yeah. We, don't, we don't get another explanation for it, and it's never really referenced again. Yeah, the end. Uh, no, there's an issue with Justice League that yeah. goes into detail about the hows and the whys. I kind of think that should be in the main series. But well, maybe that's just me. It would have been better if the crime syndicate sent them back to Earth 3 that was destroyed. Right, and they were stuck there. Yeah. And they had to get back. Yeah. And maybe we would have got the heroic moment where they actually freed themselves. Yeah. And got out of this predicament on their own, which we don't actually get in this story. No. And, you know, if you want the full details, you got to show up for a different book. Is the well, moral of this story. Presumably, if you buy in this, you read Justice League anyway. Yeah, but you shouldn't have to, is my point. Well, that's more of a problem with the company than the writers. It's more of a problem it's with comics generally now. Mm. I mean, you know, not a lot we can do about that. It doesn't really make much difference to this story, which is really what happens when the bad guys win, which I'm pretty sure is not a new premise. And it's it's Lex's story, this really, isn't it? What's yeah. happening, the other stuff's peripheral to setting up the next Justice League era in which Lex is going to be a member of the team. So that's essentially the purpose of Forever Evil. There's a strong smell of Mark Miller's more cynical approach to superheroes, but it works a little bit better in this because it's the villains. It's, mm. you know, it's okay. Batman finds out about Dick being outed on TV. A big deal is made out of people not knowing who Dick Grayson is. And I'm presuming that is to negate the amount of people that will put together, alright, well if Dick Grayson's Nightwing, Nightwing used to be Robin, Robin is partnered with Batman, yeah. Dick Grayson was Batman, Bruce Wayne's adopted son, Bruce Wayne must be Batman. Yeah. So I presume they're doing that deliberately to, to eliminate that possible connection. Also, Batman is wearing a mask that barely covers his face. That's that's when David Finch wants to draw it. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go back to the next page, right? Yeah. He's wearing a full mask there. And in full mask panel there. too, yeah. It's kind of ripped on that panel. It, that could be a colouring error. on that one. But yeah, it's, it's ripped inconsistently. Yeah. And it's ripped in such a way that, let's be brutally honest though, you can see three quarters of Batman's face. Yeah. Again, I mean, unless these people already know he's Bruce Wayne, does Catwoman know he's Bruce Wayne in the New 52? No. One would think she does now. Yeah. One would think that. I mean, unless we're suffering from applying what we know to the characters, but I am kind of hoping this isn't going to be Civil War, and yeah. it's just a massive red herring that Dick Grayson has, has been unmasked, and it's not going to be followed up upon. No. But given that Nightwing has been cancelled for this new series, Grayson... Yeah, that's the page at the end where Batman gives him a new job to Yeah, it's, and so, again, it's this, this story is just setting up future events instead of telling a story of it in and of itself. Well, it's like they revealed to the they re, they revealed in solicitations that, that Lex Luthor was going to be on the Justice League. Yeah, I knew that before we even sat down to read this. So then it's like they made that big deal and then had to write the story around the big deal. Maybe they did. Maybe this is one of those things where they decided, right, for the next six months Lex Luthor's going to be on the Justice League, so how do we get there? Yeah. That's not organic storytelling. If that's the case, then Jeff Johns did as good a job as could be expected mm. in, in doing this series then. Because he did at least make that 
feel earned. Yeah. Certainly from the point of view of the general populace, who, as far as they're concerned, Lex Luthor's a hero. Yeah. remember, they're still playing that whole nobody knows that Lex is a scumbag routine, aren't they? Hmm. Alright, fair I quite liked the, the scene with Bizarro. And or essentially, none, as I yeah, called it. Because essentially it's Bizarro that makes Lex become the way he is at the end in yeah. Justice League. Yeah, Bizarro, oddly, gives Lex a conscience. Mm. And their relationship is actually rather funny. Yeah. Throughout, Lex really does treat him as, as a, a child, like Zod and Non in Superman 2. Mm. There's an awful lot of Superman 2 in this. He just kind of keeps going... <sighs> but he, he genuinely likes him. Just that bit where he takes the flower off him, that's it. That's where it changed. You think? Yeah. The world's most powerful mind stuck with the world's most undercooked. Mm. <laughs> Greatest criminal mind of our time. Of our time. <laughs> <laughs> At least if it wasn't the flower, it was the sewer scene. Well, it's all throughout, isn't it? Mm. Throughout the whole story, Bizarro, Bizarro's loyalty to Lex was Lex down in a good way, mm. not in a oh, just go away <laughs> kind of way. Um, the Black Adam Ultraman fight is god ugly art wise. Yeah, isn't it? Although I do like, I did like Ultraman punching him right in the mouth. <laughs> there was an element of black humour to this that I actually found entertaining yeah if you're in if you're of a mind that that's what you want from it but this goes back to what we were saying you need to accept this is what the new 52 is now if you want to read their stuff so I mean the art's quite cack yeah but it's still quite a funny panel even though Ultraman breaks Black Adam's jaw quite which is important yeah that's quite important for later on yeah Luther figuring out Ultraman's weakness was pretty good as well yeah Again, it was Lex just paying attention to what's going on around him and taking intuitive leaps, mm. which I quite like. The Central City Rogue battle with Power Ring, who, let's be honest, is as mad as a bag of cats. I really liked Power Ring. Power Ring. ring. The ring itself is hilarious. Yeah, Charge me, you idiot. And it's it's a, an abusive relationship, <laughs> yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Power Ring. Is he still Hal Jordan? Yeah. So Hal Jordan is just this weak-willed pansy mm-hmm. basically and the power rings controlling him yeah and it is again if you're of a mind this is very black yeah in its humour if that's what you want to get out of it and I, I know I, I chuckled quite a I few times at power ring <laughs> stuff chucky <Chucky> idiot <laughs> And he's, he's just like, oh, all the way through it. The, the origin issue, and I'm sat, I, I, I sat reading it going, oh man, that's that's quite disturbing, actually. Yeah, and then to me, that's what I mean. That stuff gives it context that you yeah. actually start feeling a little bit sorry for powering. Yeah. Well, for Hal Jordan, anyway, not for, for powering. Um, there's a window shot in the, in the battle. I bet I can't find it now. There's a window in the battle that is called Broom Brothers. There you go. John Broom's JLA comics were never like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know if he'd appreciate the homage, to be honest with it. Black Manta finds Black Adam in the ocean. And along with the rogues meet Luther and Non, sorry, B-Zero. All hate the crime syndicate for different reasons. It's an interesting notion that the villains wouldn't necessarily be happy if a gang of marauding super foes just came in and took over. 
one, it's a point of pride that they want to do this themselves. Yeah. And they don't want somebody doing it for them. But the other is Superman 2 again. What do you do after you've taken over the world? What do you do then? You just sit there just being bored out of your tree, don't you? Well, that's what they start arguing about. Yes, what do we do now? Ultraman wants to use its defensive forces for the being that destroyed their world. Mm. Whereas the rest of them just want to reel it for have, to have fun. Yeah, certainly the the Flash. No, he's not the Flash. What is he? Johnny Quick. Johnny Quick. And Atomica. Yeah. They're just Bonnie and Clyde. Yeah. Aren't they? Superhero division. I quite liked them. Mm. In that way that I actually couldn't stand them. Yeah. But I found myself enjoying those scenes. Mm. But I was waiting for them to get their heads handed to them. And I'm not going to lie, it was quite satisfying when it did. But we'll get there. What, the footstep? Yes. <laughs> and before that, what, what Captain Cold does to yeah. But we'll, we'll get there when we get there. The issue itself moves along quite briskly. There's a feeling that it's just the broad strokes. DC obviously wanting you to buy all the tie-ins, and certainly the Justice League issue helped explain why Ultraman was fighting Black Adam. In this, Forever Evil 3, we just got the tail end of that battle. Yeah. That kind of came out of nowhere, didn't it? Yeah. Black Adam's fighting Ultraman for some reason. For reasons. We never actually learn in Justice League, though. Yeah, we did. No, we Black Adam tackles him. We see the beginning of the fight in Justice League. Yeah, but League. we never know why. Grid just says, oh yeah, you know where you're going to go to Kandak to fight that, 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 that guy? Well, he's coming to you now. And Ultraman's like, oh. I okay. thought there was more motivation than that. No? Alright, okay, fair enough. Jones hasn't lost sight of Lex being a snarky smart ass in that way that all people who think they're the smartest guys in the room are. But this again harkens back to other work, in this case, Mark Miller and Grant Morrison. Hmm. Lex Luthor's interpretation of this is very Morrison, isn't it? Yeah. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Uh, the story continued over in Justice League 25. Which has a cover of Nightwing fighting Ultraman. Yeah, if, um, if you're wanting this this battle that's promised on the cover in the actual issue again you're going to be sadly disappointed it's the same with the next one as well yeah where Power Rings fighting Sinestro doesn't happen does it no no I mean I'm all for covers that represent what's going to happen in the issue but that's a flat out lie yeah isn't it yeah <laughs> at least anyway. the other one closely resembles yeah, what happened in another title sort of mentions yeah this kind of did happen somewhere <laughs> But Nightwing never fights Ultraman. This implies Nightwing has escaped. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't it? Yeah. Which doesn't happen. Kind of. Nightwing doesn't get out of this on his own. We'll find out. As we'll find out. Go on. Owlman takes over the crime gangs of Gotham before returning to the Watchtower where he speaks to Nightwing and frees him. The two fight whilst Owlman tries to convince Nightwing to join him to stop Ultraman and the rest of the Syndicate from ruling the world. He can rule the world. <laughs> the kryptonite on this world is finite and Ultraman is powerless without it. Nightwing agrees to help Owlman and Superwoman stand outside watching the two. Yeah, she's a conniver, isn't she? Yeah. Uh, essentially the Batman version of last issue. Where it was Ultraman's origin. Yeah. This details Owlman being Thomas Wayne Jr. instead of Bruce and his interest in Dick Grayson, it's perfectly serviceable. And actually quite entertaining in places. Mm. The art, again, being much better than in the main Forever Evil series, which was a surprise to me, because this was by Doug Mancare, who I'm not the biggest fan of. No. But I thought this was really rather excellent. It fits it really well. It's yeah. It's quite the noir feel to it. Yeah, it really does suit it. Uh, it's also written by John, so it's, it's more backstory 
than than is provided for in Forever Evil, but it gives more legitimacy than maybe some of the other tie-ins would. I don't know because I didn't read any of them. It's yeah. good. It's all right, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I I like the opening scene where Alfred kills him. Yeah, the opening scene is very good, fellas. Yeah. All my life, I've wanted to be a gangster. When I mean, they go and gun down little Bruce. Yeah. Because originally you're going to think that little Bruce is going to be his Robin. Yeah. But then he gets gunned down as well. Um, the origin of um, Elastic Man. Who's Elastic yeah. Man? Is he Elastic Man? I don't know. Is he the red guy? Elongated Man. No, he's the purple guy. Plastic Man. Plastic Man. <laughs> yeah, the origin of Plastic Man's in this. Is it? Yeah. Um, when Owlman takes down the gang. Oh, right, is that Plastic Man? He's called Eel. Oh, so he is, yeah. yeah. Eel O'Brien. Yeah. Do you know, I did not get that when I was reading it. Well spotted. Well done. I like that you got Dick Grayson's origin as well. Yeah. Or the alternate universe version of Dick Grayson. It also shows the relationship between Owlman and Nightwing. Yeah. It's good. It was good, that one. Again, yeah. the Justice League issue was better than, than Forever Evil. Forever Evil number four. That's a horrible cover. Uh, yeah, it's Lex and Batman fighting. Batman is spitting out a huge gob of blood that just looks very silly. His bottom lip covers up yeah. his entire He looks like jaw. he's got Venom's tongue, but deformed. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't he? Yeah. No. It's How a... is he standing? The, the, they don't look he, like they are. He looks like he might be inside Lex. Yeah, it's like... They're occupying the same space at the same time, which, as we know from physics, is impossible. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I didn't I didn't like that cover at all, to be honest with you. It's not that I don't, I don't mind the Lex Luthor-Batman fight. I just think it's horribly staged and put together. Yeah. Because it's like Batman's got his legs in between Lex's legs in such a way that both of them would be off balance. And he's, so he's Batman stood on his knee... Batman does look a bit off balance. Though. Yeah, it's. I mean, I mean, surely the implication is Lex has just punched him and he's off balance. Yeah, but it's not drawn in such a way that you get that idea. And his top half much bigger than his bottom half. Yeah, it's looks... it's just not very good. Nice in anywhere. <laughs> Tell us if the story's any better. Batman brings Catwoman into the cave where he shows her his collection of the League's weaknesses on the Syndicate while Grid watches through hacked cameras. In Metropolis, Lex tries to resuscitate Black Adam as Cold works on making a cold engine for his gun. Adam wakes up and the group plan on how to stop the Syndicate with Luthor's knowledge of Ultraman's reverse biology. In Utah, Metallo is attacking the military in search of General Lane until Ultraman rips the kryptonite from his chest. Superwoman flies behind him and asks how much more kryptonite does he plan on taking. She is told that he has taken enough to fight the alien being that destroyed their homeworld, but she tells him that the being isn't following them, and that they should focus on protecting what she says is his child, and on Owlman who has convinced Nightwing to help him work against the Syndicate. Deathstorm leaves Power Ring to work on creating synthetic kryptonite as the, at the Watchtower, and Power Ring is tasked with tracking down the rogues. He panics and calls Grid, who sends him some help. Meanwhile, Lex and his group travel through the sewers until they reach Wayne Enterprises. They break through the floor but encounter Batman and Catwoman. The two groups are then attacked by Power Ring and his group of villains. <laughs> Batman uses his Sinestro Core Ring to fight Power Ring, but he isn't harmed by Yellow and destroys the ring before Sinestro himself crashes through. 
Uh, David Finch gets to draw his version of Jim Lee favourite, The Bat Cave. It's not a bad rendition, all things considered. And whatever the year, it's nice to see that the giant penny and the dinosaur are still part of the lineup. Mm. Well, in Batman, he crushes the owls with the giant penny. He does. And the dinosaur eats them. Have we not got a new 52 explanation for where they came from yet? I don't know. It's nice to see his bike from zero year as well. Yeah. I sometimes think with the penny and the, the dinosaur, I like not knowing where they came from. They're just there. Yeah. I like that they're just there, so there's some adventure of Batman's out there somewhere that we... Yeah. I mean, my thinking was always, it's a real dinosaur. <laughs> and it just doesn't move when we see it. But for the it's rest of the time, it's puttering around in the back cave <laughs> with Harold. Alfred feeds it. Yeah, Alfred feeds the giant dinosaur. <laughs> and it's like friendly. <laughs> it's Rex. Yeah, because Batman's realistic. So he would totally have a giant pet dinosaur. I would actually want Batman to have a pet dinosaur. <laughs> of all the people that could have a giant pet dinosaur, I think Batman would be the most appropriate. <laughs> some pretty good lines regarding having to be blindfolded to be taken into the cave because that's the Batman Catwoman relationship and asking if Bruce ever actually enjoyed being Batman mm. uh, I think he sometimes enjoys it but this probably isn't one of those times no I wouldn't have thought Punching um, bad guys must be fun yeah I mean I didn't have a lot on this one I actually thought the middle part of this one was real wheel spinning Powering his scud, which we knew. Atomica and Johnny Quick are fighting Doom Patrol, which we knew. There's a bit where Superwoman tells Ultraman and Al about Owlman's plans, which was new. But as an aside, I found it amusing Ultraman pointed out how silly it was to say Shazam, hmm. but fails to point out that the names Ultraman or Owlman are just as stupid. Yeah. If you're going to call attention to something, Mr. Johns, don't expect your audience to not call attention to something equally daft. Granted, this is just setting up the ending. Yeah. Ultraman pointing out that saying Shazam is stupid ultimately isn't that what kills Alexander. Well, not kills him, but takes out Alexander Luther. Yeah. Saying Spoilers. Shazam backwards. Well, we're going to spoil it anywhere when we get there. Yeah. More um, snorting on that page. More snorting of kryptonite. Yeah. Alright. Whatever. <laughs> uh, subject B0 gets mentioned. Is that the first time it is actually legitimately mentioned? B zero. Yeah. No, it's. Is it mentioned in the first issue? It's on the tank when he opens it. So it is. Yeah, I'd forgotten about that. I thought that was stupid. I thought that was stupider than Bizarro. <laughs> yeah. But recharge you know. necessary, you idiot. <laughs> yes. Yes. Power Ring really doesn't have a lot of time for Hal Jordan. No. <laughs> does he? The latter half picked up considerably with the action and character stakes, which Johns deftly weaves together. Luther versus Batman. Then Batman purses purses. Then Batman versus Power Ring are all decent beats played out well. That was quite the f- the, a really funny scene, though. Oh no, more bad guys! Oh no, more bad guys! <laughs> yeah, Power Ring is hysterical. Yeah, in that uh, I'm slightly insane <laughs> kind of way. Um, there's a feeling Johns is emphasising the characters he has a particular fondness for such as Black Manta, Black Adam and Luther taking key roles, and now Sinestro shows up. But if that's what he wants to write... Well, then, he, you know. he does mention that he came because of the Sinestro covering that Batman had. However, yeah. we now dive into New 52 continuity problems. Ah, uh, go on then. Right? Continuity and nitpicks! <laughs> yeah. Right, so... Batman, we see Batman with the Sinestro covering and yes. he turns into a Sinestro So does he have that in the king, in the cave? Yeah. Is that from Blackest Night... No, it was in uh, a few issues back. Right. Batman invites Superman down and says, right, I've got all these boxes with everyone's weakness in them. Including yours. Yeah. 
Well, the, the played with Superman gave him the kryptonite ring. Right, okay. But we see Batman in the Sinestro Corps uniform, because that calls back to the Sinestro Corps war when Batman was recruited. Right. Right. However... It's a cool uniform. Yeah, Batman says he got it when all the Sinestro Corps rings rained down on world and Sinestro attacked Earth. That was the Sinestro Corps war, but that didn't happen, did it? Isn't Green Lantern's history not been touched? Because well, it's Jeff Jones. Because it's Jeff Jones. Isn't yeah. Jeff? So in New 52 time, Green Lantern pretty much happened as we saw it. Yeah. So that's, so, that's my explanation for that. So in that case then, what about, did Hal Jordan die and come back as Parallax? No. That never happened. So, the, so how does Rebirth Just happen? like Morrison's Batman. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. This is where you have your problems. I think it's best to just go alright then. <laughs> <laughs> Accept it and move on. I think it's just better to forget those ever reboot. And yeah, but you can't do that with somebody like Superman and Wonder Woman, can you? Yeah. They've had a complete ground zero makeover. Batman and Green Lantern, not so much. Yeah. <laughs> it is interesting to have the piss out of it, though. I it's always enjoy taking the piss out of it. It's inducing. It is, yes. I mean, again, this, it's the middle chapter essentially, of a mini-series, and as usual for middle chapters of a mini-series, it's kind of wheel-spinning. We'll see it again in Legends next week. Yeah. So it's the same thing. Uh, from here, we actually have a trio of Justice League tales, which take place before Forever Evil 5, mm. don't they? Um, around at the same time. Yeah, more or less. Justice League issue 26 has Power Ring fighting Sinestro, while Lex and Black Adam and Black Manta and B-Zero just putter around in the background not really yeah. doing anything it's a nice cover if you want to see that fight take place then buy the next issue of Forever Evil because it ain't happening in this issue <laughs> of Justice League is it yeah yeah Grid delves into the origins of the remaining members of the Syndicate, trying to find an emotion to feel, but starts to feel suspicious when he sees that all of Superwoman's files have been deleted, something that is never followed up on. <laughs> and next does him, the Syndicate's unknown prisoner, wakes up. At the same time in Star Labs, Vic stabilises and also wakes up. Uh, essentially this shows the pecking order of the DC Universe. Ultraman and Owlman get entire issues devoted to their alternative origins. Atomica powering Johnny Quick and Deathstorm, sure an issue. Mm. Which is correct and proper as far as I'm concerned. Superman and Batman should be top dogs rather than in some silly rivalry where we aren't allowed to like both of them anymore. Yeah. Which is apparently the thing at the minute. Jones does a great job with this issue, tying in grid story with cyborg story and actually moving the story forward in a tie-in title, which is both good and annoying in equal measure. It's less of a tie-in. Yeah, this is this is a relatively important chapter of the story. Yeah, it's I like thought. Blackest Night's Green Lantern. Like the last issue of Justice League, with the, the Nightwing Owlman stuff is quite important yeah. to the overall narrative. The arts are step up once again, and the backstories are compelling and sadistic. I'm starting to wish that the ugly head of crass commercialism had stayed out of the way and this had just been a Justice League story. Hmm. I think this would have worked much better as an eight or nine part Justice League story just in the Justice League title. Yeah. Restructure the whole thing, tear it to bits, pull it, pull it back together as Justice League events. But then I don't think the Lex Luthor story would have worked as well. Well, he still, he still would have been a major part of it. But, yeah. but it's moot because this, this isn't how comics work anymore yeah but I think Lex Luthor's story benefits from him being the protagonist yeah Forever Evil is Lex's story yeah because the title of it Forever Evil yeah. so has this fundamentally changed Lex forever 
Mm. Or is he going to be forever evil? We'll find out. We'll find out as we go along, yes. I enjoyed this one. Yeah. Forever Numb, it was called. I, I quite enjoyed it a great deal. Uh, uh, the Hal Jordan origin was... Yeah, the powering origin is, is quite hysterical. But quite disturbing at the same time. Yes. And, um, we never find out what it is that he's so scared. We just see tentacles. So it's like, every time he recharges, Hal Jordan get inappropriately touched by Cthulhu. Hentai. Yeah. Is that what you're Cth- saying? Cthulhu touches him up. Yeah. It's the Johnny Quick Atomica one I like the most. From the... the I mean, the artwork that's very George Perez. Yeah. But from the point of view of I actually hate them as people... Mm. but they are compelling bad guys yeah. in their own way. It's a shame. There's no reason for what they're doing. No. They, they enjoy it. They are the Bonnie and Clyde. Yeah. That's what they are. They enjoy doing what they're doing. It'll make them nice people, mm. but they're actually quite compelling bad guys. Well, maybe a little bit dark, but again, yeah. you know. And I did like they were, they were killing off the rogues who were police. Yeah, in the alternate yeah. universe, the rogues are all policemen. Justice League 27 picks up where we left off. Cyborg rebooted. Cyborg 2.0. Cyborg is bursting out of what? The grid? Is that? Yeah. Which is pretty nice, I guess, because the grid burst out of him. Yeah, so symbolically it works. Yeah. Tell us about it. In Denver, Johnny Quick and Atomica kill the remaining members of the Doom Patrol, and upon hearing the news, Professor Calder decides to start over and create a new team. Back in Star Labs, Vic and Morrow convince Silas to turn him back into Cyborg with the technology from the Red Room. Once he has been completed, Cyborg leaves to seek help in the form of Will Magnus and his Metal Men. First page of this looks like Tom Grummet. Yeah. Doesn't it? Yeah, I thought I actually genuinely thought that was Tom Grummet and Carl Castle. I just got quite excited about it. I, um, I didn't like those Doom Patrol members at all. I was kind of grateful they were killed off. <laughs> Doom Patrol. I, I didn't like. <laughs> Gives a toss about the Doom Patrol. I liked the, maybe one or two. You know, we're going to get emails from four hundred people now who care about the Doom Patrol. <laughs> I like some of them. I don't care about the Doom Patrol. Uh, I've always liked Cyborg, from him being a new teen titan. Something sadly no longer part of continuity, but his personality and motivations haven't really changed. Jeff Johns seems to like Cyborg, and it shows in his writing. Uh, this was actually a turning point for the character that you can argue takes him from being a Marvel-type character, someone for whom his powers are a burden, and the cause of much angst to being a DC character of old, someone who owns who he is and what he's here to do. Again, there's forward momentum, which is good, but it does make the main Forever Evil series seem like it's the Reader's Digest version of the story. Mm. Johnny Quick and Atomica are ruthless scumbags, and it probably says a bit more about me than I want it to, that I want these two taken down, preferably fatally, <laughs> after I've enjoyed all I their adventures. Didn't like. I don't really like Cyborg. I don't really care for him. You know, I like Cyborg. No, I've never cared for Cyborg, but I do like about this issue where essentially it's the um, Ivan Reese's version of Cyborg. Because up until now he's been drawing Jim, Jim Lee's, Lee's version, version of, of Cyborg, it. yeah. And now he's taken over as ongoing artist. He, he now has his own design and his own version. It's a very sleek redesign. Yeah, isn't it? That, I like it. Yeah. I like it a great deal. I like the bit in the red room as well, with the big double page spread. 
Oh, yeah. And there's... Um, there's the alien ship, he says, from the future, so maybe that's setting up... Something else. ...the new event they're doing. Mm. There's a giant robot in there. Uh, there's a red tornado. Yeah, so there is. And the one with the ace on his chest looks really familiar, but I can't remember what I thought was. it was something to do with the ace of clubs, or what were they called? Those bad guys who were all dressed like playing cards. And they all have the floating playing cards. Yeah. Yeah. Them. They're really cool in Batman Beyond. Yeah. They're, oh, I can't remember the names. The Royal Flush Gang. Yeah. Them. I like the Royal Flush Gang. So much so that I can't remember the name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and these Justice League issues have been much, much better than the Forever Evil issues. Mm. Sadly. Uh, we don't go back to Forever Evil yet. We still hang around with Justice League. Justice League 28 has the Metal Men on the cover. By Ivan Rice, Humanity's Only Hope, My Heart Sank. <laughs> because I've never given a rat's ass about the Metal Men. I quite like the Metal Men as a gimmick that they use once and get over with. Well, tell us about this one, then. <laughs> uh, Magnus tells Cyborg that the Metal Men are no more. He tells them their origin and their death by saving the city from Chemo. Chemo. Yes. Him. <laughs> yeah. He says that he refuses to create them again because he can't lose them again, but Cyborg soon convinces him that recreating them is the right thing to do. Uh, like I said, I never give a toss about the Metal Men. I was aware of them, but every single time I tried to read them, I found them boring. With all apologies to Metal Men fans, to me they were like the Doom Patrol. Maybe they had their day once, but that day has long since passed. How many times... Do you resurrect a concept only to have it flop again before you give up? Yeah. Well, apparently you give it one more go and mine gold and tin and lead <laughs> because... Or if you're Jeff Johns, you bring them back in everything you do. That, I loved this. Yeah. I genuinely did. Jeff Johns made me give a damn about the Metal Men. He gave them personalities and, importantly, he made them heroic for no other reason than to be heroic. Yeah. It's the right thing to do. It's in a DC universe where this has been lamentably lost for a lot of characters, it takes a group made of machines to show us what it means to be human. Mm. Irony! <laughs> uh, the art's magnificent, and the ending made me sad when the yeah. Metal Men died, and then cheer when they were resurrected. And this is a new 52 book. Yeah. Congratulations to all involved on this issue. I'm not saying I'd buy a Metal Man comic, but at least I wouldn't be thinking, oh god, not again, well, if that's, they published one. That's what I meant. It's, they're alright if like, one story is a throwaway gimmick. Yeah. But then if they bring them back again, there's not so much they can do with them. I don't know, but I, I thoroughly enjoyed this. I mean, and for all credit to him for actually taking a bunch of characters I couldn't give a rat's ass about and genuinely making me sad when it looked like they died at the end. Yeah. So, he made me care about the Metal Men. So, Jeff Jones has got something going for him, hasn't he? He's I, I enjoyed it. Well, the Doom Patrol's coming up in Justice League soon. Maybe mm. it'll happen again. You think? <laughs> you think he'll make me care about the Doom Patrol? No one's ever made me care about the Doom Patrol. Ever. <laughs> so, we went back to Forever Evil. After a three-issue interlude with the Justice League, Forever Evil 5... As a really, really boring cover of everyone just standing there posing or grimacing or in Catwoman's case just standing there and going, hey, look at me, I'm pretty. 
Can we go back to covers that are in some way indicative of the interiors, please, and they're not all posters? At least Ivan Reese's ones are good, even if they have nothing to do with what's in that series. Yeah, and it's hard to say why. I just think that's a bit boring. Yeah. It's not particularly bad. You're not looking at that going, well, that forearm looks a bit crap, and that face <laughs> doesn't look anything like that one. It's just dull, isn't it? Yeah. It's just very, very boring. Bizarro's gone back to wearing a T-shirt. Yes, Bizarro's gone back to his T-shirt despite having long sleeves earlier on. Tell us more, Mike. While the Batman and Lex's group fight, Sinestro chases Power Ring through the sewers before they fight. Sinestro cuts off Power Ring's arm and kills him. <laughs> it was just a matter of time, wasn't it? <laughs> As the Ring starts searching for a new host. The group stops the attacking villains and Lex convinces Deathstroke to join them. Lex then convinces Sinestro to join and Batman says that Nightwing should be the priority. Meanwhile, Ultraman and Superwoman raid the Batcave looking for the Kryptonite Ring, but can't find it. Owlman says he knows that it's the last piece of Kryptonite and that Batman took it with him. Grid calls in to inform them that the Power Ring is dead and that the Ring went to Luke for a new host. They regroup at the Watchtower and look to the sky, where they see the being that has followed them through the world through a crack in the sky. <gasps> you know, I just mocked it, but it's 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 a surprise to me. It took this long until someone lost a limb. I thought it was quite soon for them to start killing off the crime syndicate. Did you? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's quite shocking that this kind of level of violence has now just become a cliche. Yeah. Rather than a, a serious, dramatic moment. I'd have been more shocked if it hadn't happened. <laughs> to be honest with you. Yeah. Because when it happened, I was I, I did kind of do what I just did with you. I just laughed at it. Went, right, okay, we've got that out of the way now. Yeah. We've got the dismemberment out of the way for this story. We can get on with it. It was all right. Sinestro gets first blood. Yeah. So basically what we're saying with this issue is the heroes are all useless. Every single one of them. <laughs> the ones that are trapped inside Firestorm. Yeah. Batman's crap. It's the bad guys that pull the rabbit out the of the hat, of the story is killing is good if it's for a good reason. Yeah, pretty much. And, and bad guys are cool when they're good guys. Who gets blasted in half? The Shadow Thief gets blasted in half. Which was, you know... It's not particularly gory in this particular instance. Um, and I did think as well, Batman insisting that he's in charge, despite all evidence to the contrary, yeah. was hysterical. <laughs> he's like a petulant little child. I'm in charge. <laughs> the page where he says that he's in charge and they're all stunned, they're glowing at him. Yeah, they're all just gawping at him. <laughs> I'm having a hard time accepting that Batman would be working with any of these people anywhere. Hmm. But, you know, it was it was a funny moment. Yeah. In an otherwise bleak issue. Why does the big evil that comes through from the other universe look like the Nexus from Star Trek? It's not. That's the... That's the crack through the multiverse. Looks like the Nexus. Okay. The crack in time or yeah. the universe or whatever. Mm. So is there no multiverse in the New 52? Yes. Right. Because they come from Earth 3 and right. there's Earth 2. Yeah, okay. And that crack in the sky... Yes. Is See, I forget all of this. It's a break well, that, that's why they brought the new fifty-two back, isn't it? Because they wanted the multiverse yeah. back, right? But okay. red skies, crisis. Yeah, red sky at night. Crack through the multiverse. Crisis in light. Yeah. Crisis in sight would be better, wouldn't it? I I sat there. I read that. I saw that page and thought, oh man, that reminds me of Christ on Infinite Earths, and I still did not see that ending coming. No, it, this 
film was, was decent. There's some good action sequences. The crime syndicate doesn't seem to be doing much. No. They're kind of just puttering they, around they were, arguing with each other. They were really cool at the beginning, but... Now they're not really doing anything. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's... Now that the best member's dead. The villains winning is a decent springboard, but what then? Yeah. And was it worth a seven-issue miniseries and God knows how many tie-ins? The 52 tie-ins. 52 tie-ins. I still think, like, Blackest Night, this would have been much better if it, if it hadn't been an event. Yeah. If it had just been a Justice League story, I think it would have been better. Maybe you're right about the Lex Luthor stuff. Yeah. I don't know. From a storytelling point of view, I think it benefits from being two, but... From um, but that's just me coming from Irie Justice League. And but all the other stuff, I mean, it can't be that relevant. So I don't feel like we missed anything. Well, I missed out on Justice League for seven months. Yeah, but you've read it. Why we read it? Yeah, you read it all together. Whereas yeah. I read Justice League weekly, uh, monthly. Yeah, because I remember the several conversations you had saying, "Daddy, you're gonna get forever." Well, no, stupid tie-ins. But you bought the tie-ins anyway, just because uh, we read Justice League. Uh, shut up. I'm very disappointed in you. <laughs> it was alright, that one, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. It was okay. Uh, for Every Evil Six, the cover is a close-up of Nightwing's bloody face, which no doubt helped Mr. Dio chuckle himself to sleep at night. <laughs> you didn't get that, like, framed. <laughs> uh, what I tissues next to it. Yeah, what, what I... <laughs> what I noticed about this was apparently Dick Grayson has eyes like a duck, in that they're on opposite sides of his head. I, I guess... That one is... Yeah. Uh, you know, maybe he's just got weird eyes. <laughs> what do yeah, I know? for peripheral vision. Yeah, tell us about this one, though. The group reach the watchtower and break in as Grid informs Alfred that he moved Nightwing into a safer room and locked him in a murder machine from Apocalypse. Batman and Lex reach him and learn that the only way to stop the nuclear bomb on the machine is to stop Dick's heart. Black Manta kills Alfred, and he and Cold inspect the prisoner. The Syndicate watch the crack in the sky and Deathstorm says he can close it and stop the being from getting through the multiverse. They head back to the Watchtower where they find the group of villains. They fight and Lex kills Dick as the prisoner is freed. Alexander Luthor, the Dark Lightning. Uh, the art being off continues onto the first page. Batman's off centre in the middle panel of page one. And how he's holding the binoculars and the penultimate panel of the same page imply that his eyes are as off centre as Nightwing's. Oh yeah. Look, he's, he's older than like this. <laughs> he's savage, isn't he? yeah. yeah. Doesn't doesn't make any sense at all. I actually got quite engrossed in this issue and forgot to do any notes. Yeah. <laughs> I was actually starting to get into the story at this point. When we get to the end, Luther being willing to kill Dick was in keeping with his character, as was Batman refusing to accept Dick's death. However, far more satisfying, it has to be said. Was Captain Cold freezing Johnny Quick's leg off? Mm. I laughed, he deserved it. I'm yeah. sorry, but he did. The Black Manta stabbing Alfred to death was a little bit more gross. Stabbing him quite a lot. Yeah, he doesn't just do it once, does he? No. <laughs> I guess, like um, Halloween. I guess it stops him from doing that stupid laugh. Yeah, I suppose so. But a bit, bit gratuitous, really. I mean, it's all in shade. Not all of it. Well. At least one of those stabs is seen. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it is what it is. This yeah. is what they do now, so what can you do? Um, I thought the reveal of the hooded man, cue clanad soundtrack here, being Alexander Luther was actually a damp squib. What did mm. you think? I mean, maybe with me, I never cared about Alexander Luther as a good guy. 
nor do I think this series has really earned this reveal. If you're only reading this series, why do you care about this character and, by extension, this reveal? Doesn't it rely on me knowing who Alexander Luther is well, rather than being a legitimate twist in the story? Alexander Luther is the Shazam, right? Yes. But... <laughs> Sorry, we just turned the page where Captain Cold kicks Johnny Quick's leg off. Still if, funny. If the Crime Syndicate are the reverse Justice League. Mm. My, my first problem with that was Atomico, because there is no Captain Atom on the Justice League, but Shazam is also not a member of the Justice League. Yet. They're building him up to be one, aren't they? Yeah. Right. But yeah, that was, that was my only problem with it. But you do have to get to the bit where... If Lex Luthor's the protagonist, he needs his opposite. I suppose so, but it, the, they reveal it as being Alexander Luthor as if that means something. Well, I and think it does argument, in the context of the story with Lex being the protagonist. Yeah, alright, I suppose so. So you're saying that even if you have no idea who Alexander Luthor is, Lex being the central protagonist of this story, and he's now met his opposite number. Yeah. As there is an Ultraman and an Owlman and a Power Ring and etc, etc, etc. Alright, okay, I will go with you. I will defer to your judgement. I mean, yeah, you could say you could disagree with that. Because no, it, when, well, when, it, when I was first reading it, I was just like, Alexander Luther, what? It only works in the, the context of this story. He was introduced in Trinity War. Yeah. And back then, if you're reading it as just as like, well, why should I care if it's an opposite of Lex Luthor? Why should I? But it's obviously setting it up for payoff for Forever yeah. Evil. But I think that's kind of my issue with it. It's all just set up for the next event. Trinity yeah. Evil set up Forever Evil, which pissed me off. It didn't end. Oh yeah, I, I, I heard you when you finished. It was it? just set up for Forever Evil. This is just set up for the next six months of Justice League comics, isn't it? Lex Luthor is a good guy. To be fair, though, I got I've been like the most excited. Um, during an event when they reveal the next one at, th- at the end of them right. I was excited when the crime syndicate showed up I was excited when the new bad guy showed up right okay so it's obviously working for you yeah All right. it's just when the event actually arrives it's not as good <laughs> no it's never as good as you think it's going to be yeah uh, quick stop over in Justice League 29 before we carry on the issue was good I enjoyed it it was, it was alright I feel there's a lot left to be done in only one issue uh, yeah, but that's because it doesn't actually end, really, does it? It's no. setting up the next bunch of stories. Anyway, Justice League Twenty Nine's got the cover of Cyborg fighting the what grid. is that? The Grid in manifestation form. Why the Metal Men have taken on the form of the Justice League in the background? It's Ivan Rice, so it's quite good. Yeah. It is an Ivan Rice cover, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So Doug Mankey only did the interior art, right? Fine. Okay, fair enough. Whilst the villains fight in the Watchtower, Cyborg and the Metal Men fight Grid in Happy Harbor. While the Metal Men fight the villains from the Secret Society, Grid takes Cyborg into the digital network that the Grid was once part of. In there, Cyborg starts to control the network and leaves Grid with the first and only emotion he's ever felt, fear. Steve Trevor just shows up <laughs> with Wonder Woman's lasso that I'm pretty sure was thrown to the villains in the first issue, but oh well. Is that not set up in Justice League of America? I've no idea. Right. And says that Martian Manhunter has him telepathically linked to Wonder Woman because of a special bond they show because they had a, con- had a, 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 a relationship in the past, and then they just bugger off and free the Justice League. But yeah, I had a problem with this issue. <laughs> 
Um, well, I had a problem with it in so much as they free the Justice League not in an issue of Forever Evil. They don't free them? Oh, no, they don't. Steve it, shows they? up. Yeah. He just shows up he with the lasso, with the lasso and goes, Sup, Cyborg, how's it going? Take this lasso right. We'll go get Death Star and free the Justice League and be re... Then he gets knocked out and, yeah. So, I presume then that that is all set up in Justice League of America. Yeah, and then, so he shows up, he basically hands over the Deus Ex that's going to save the day. Yeah. And then gets thumped. Yeah. <laughs> Hi there, I'm here to save the thud. You know, Steve Trevor, a character who's it's shown up in Justice League more than the Justice League have. Steve Trevor, whose relationship with Wonder Woman has dominated the story, shows up out of nowhere on the last page and gets knocked out. Well done, Steve. <laughs> I can see why you're the head of Argus. Uh, yeah, okay. I didn't quite think of it like that, but alright, <laughs> fair enough. Um, it was okay. Um, we get some Metal Men goodness and Cyborg taking down the grid. I think it's better than Forever Evil's been as a whole. I think the Justice League issues have actually been better. I think that last issue was a major letdown. Yeah, but the, the, the Justice League escaping is a major letdown. It's like yeah. the ending of the series is, is a bit of a letdown we got an explanation from where the crime syndicate came from which is more than we've got in Forever Evil we did at the beginning kind of we knew that anyway alright fair enough it's a much stronger leading to the finale though you know you, you keep complaining about the story for things that's been explained and you don't remember you should have read all three years worth of Justice League I should I have you're absolutely right to read seven issues of Forever <laughs> Evil yeah. I should have sat down and read three years worth of Justice League hey it only took me an afternoon does it work did it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> is that true kind of two afternoons <laughs> does this make a lot more sense if you've read it all relatively close together apart from the inconsistencies yeah right Alright, fair enough. Maybe if I, you know, I didn't have any kind of life, <laughs> I could have sat down and read all 30 odd issues of Justice League. You don't, you don't need one. Jeff Jones' Justice League is light bedtime reading. But you, you also read all the Trinity War crossovers as well. That's six issues. But, so you've read issues of Constantine? No, um, I only read uh, Justice League, Justice League of America, and that's it. And Trinity War. Yeah, right. well, that's Justice League, Justice League Dark, but that's the only part of it I read anyway. But you read 30-odd issues in preparation for this, so it's all a lot clearer in your head. Yeah. Alright, fair enough. Maybe it does work better like that, then. Maybe mm. it does seed better when you see that he's been setting it all up from the beginning. But the only problem is, when the next event comes, I'll read all four years' worth of comics. To get to it to again. Get, yeah. But that's, I mean, that's a, the complaint, really, for every evil doesn't stand on its own, does it? No. It's part of the tapestry of the DC universe. And it's like Jeff Johns, take his Green Lantern run, for example. Yeah. That's all seeding the next big event. But with that, it feels more like a journey rather than this, it feels like event after event. Well, with Green Lantern, at least he was only working within the Green Lantern book yeah. until he was told to not work in the Green Lantern book, wasn't he? Mm. He was told to make Blackest Night an event our understanding is he didn't originally want that. Yeah. And he went, oh, alright then. Whereas with this, it is ju- it's setting up the wider tapestry of the DC Universe. Mm. Because events in Justice League will affect Justice League America and Justice League Dark. Yeah. And Which is, were all John. Yeah, stuff. and whatever other... Ju- what is there now? Justice League 3000? And yeah. There's a couple that's of others, isn't there? its own, really. Is it, is it not part of this? No. Alright. But that's what I'm, I mean, really. Forever Evil 
is part of the overall DC universe rather than a self-contained story in and of itself. Jeff Jones is a a company writer now rather than a title writer. Yeah. Well, he is he head writer. Is he the one who sets? This yeah. is what we're going to do for the next six so, months. Yeah. This is what. All right. Oh, yeah, him and Jim Lee are. I really hope Jim Lee isn't because nothing had come out. <laughs> Can we get other writers to do it? All right. These lackeys. Fair enough. The U on the cover of Forever Evil 7 is completely different from what we've seen in it the other... It completely changes throughout the rest of the issue. Yeah, it's a big fight between the Crime Syndicate and Lex Luthor's bad guy people. Yeah. In Justice League, would they be? I don't know. Oh, fight. they are the Injustice League, aren't they? Yeah, I suppose so. It's alright, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. Just a fight. Tell us about the conclusion. Is it all worthwhile in the end? Uh, No. Next time on an all new episode. Go on, tell us what happened. Alexander Luthor escapes from the watchtower as Lex Luthor pushes the attacking Batman away to give Dick an adrenaline shot, saying that he gave Dick a pill to stop the muscles around his heart, making him flatline for the bomb to defuse. Cyborg arrives and leads Batman and Dick down to the sublevels where the syndicates are keeping Firestorm. Before Batman and Lex part ways, Lex manages to steal Batman's kryptonite ring without him noticing. Outside, Ultraman and Deathstorm plan on taking down the the Luthor and say that they need Superwoman's lasso of submission. Superwoman appears in front of them alongside Luthor and says that the child she's carrying isn't his, isn't Owlman's either, but it's Luthor's. Ultraman attacks, but Luthor kills Deathstorm and absorbs his nuclear power. Luthor attacks and Lex and his group kills Bizarro before flying away with Superwoman. Lex gives Sinestro Batman's lightning rod and tells Black Adam to say his name and channel the lightning through the rod to attack Luthor. Batman, Dick, Catwoman and Cyborg reach Firestorm, but Dick is stopped by Owlman who is desperate for Dick to join him. Outside, Sinestro stabs Luthor with a lightning rod and Superwoman strangles Adam with her lasso, but he grabs onto Luthor and manages to shout Shazam. The lightning strikes Luthor, hitting Superwoman with him, but it has no effect on him. Luthor grabs Lex and flies down, beating him as he does so. Lex, thinking that he can call Lightning as they are the same person, shouts, Mazaz, Shazam backwards. <laughs> and the Lightning hits Luthor, turning him normal again. After killing Luthor, Lex is attacked by Ultraman. But as he does so, not only does Sinestro and Black Adam move the moon away from the sun, but Batman frees the leagues from Firestorm. With the sun shining down, Ultraman is so powerless and weak, he begs for Lex to kill him. But Lex walks away, saying he's going to make him live, knowing that he's the weakest person on Earth. And as he does so, steps on Atomica. <laughs> Splat! Although freed, Superman is still dying due to the kryptonite in his brain, and Lex smashes through, saying that he can save Superman. In the following days after saving Superman, Lex hands Cod Industries over to Ted Cod, begins working on a new Bizarro, and works out that Batman is Bruce Wayne. Batman says goodbye to Catwoman before giving Dick Grayson an all-new mission. The League imprisons Superwoman and Ultraman, but Owlman is still missing, and neither of the two of them are saying anything about the being that destroyed their world. Superman says that it can only be one thing, the same thing that brought them together in the first place, Darkseid. However, on Earth 3, where the skies are red, the Anti-Monitor begins looking for a new world to destroy. Anti-Monitor. Yeah. That's a big deal for people who who remember a story that was published over 30 years ago. 
I, I, I got excited. I thought it was pretty cool. Uh, Damon, did you? Um... It's still gonna when when they do Christ on Infinite Earths again. We are gonna do another show, and you're gonna sit there going, "It's all wrong. It's wrong." Probably. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I presume that Dick's death here was a fake out when I was reading it. Yeah. I don't know that we knew about Grayson when I read this. I can't remember, or if that was just after. But I thought this was just a, a knowing wink to Dick supposedly dying in Infinite Crisis. Well, if he did die in Forever Evil, can you imagine how annoyed you'd be if you read Nightwing on a week monthly basis? <laughs> well, Nightwing's finished now anyway. So. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah, it'd be like in Civil War where they wanted to shoot Captain America in Civil War. Yeah. And they were like, no, that should really happen in his own book. But yeah. kind of guts the end in the Civil War. But you can see the point. Yeah. That, you know, you suddenly pick up Captain America 25 and he's dead. And you're like, wait a minute, what happened, what happened in between issues? Did I miss something? Um, this moved very rapidly, which was good. But it felt like it had waited until the last issue to be like this. Was mm. the pacing a bit wonky? How did this work for you? Um, it just felt like any other event, really. It's all build up until you get near the end and then it's a fight <laughs> that sets up the next six months worth of, of story mm. uh, all right. how Lex beat Alexander was really rather cool yeah I thought that was quite funny but the overall ending had a distinct whiff of is that it yeah it did all, I, I got to a point where I'm, where I'm sat there reading it's just all oh, a big fight scene it's just all fighting and I'm still halfway through because it it's a double length issue yeah, but the fighting was cool. Yeah. Uh, but I wanted a bit more of it. it. It seemed like it was all crammed into one issue. And again, this is a story beat using the Shazam word to burn something yeah. that will happen in Legends when we cover it next week. So we've chose two good, quite complimentary stories that quite by accident. Mm. Uh, the, the epilogue was amusing. I did like Lex standing on Atomica. <laughs> she deserved it. And he decided not to buy Cord Industries. Yeah. For whatever reason. Now he's had his change of heart. Yeah, and we're left to think, is this a genuine change of heart? Is the title actually referring to Lex? Yeah. Is he forever evil, or can he change? Well, obviously the answer's going to be no. Yeah. Because he's Lex Luthor, so at some point he's going to reveal his true colours again. But it, it is a nice mirror to the opening scene of the series where he was ruthless and cruel and here he's, no, no, you keep your company. Yeah. But I got an undercurrent of sinister to it where he's like, and if you ever need anything, I'll be there. I like, I'm watching you. Yeah, I didn't get that out of it. Did you not? Especially when you had the scene where he almost cried over Bizarro's death. Um, well, yeah. Okay, and then he ends up serving Superman's life, and... Yeah. I don't know. And then he purpo- he starts working on his new Superman clone and purposely makes it only last five years. Hmm. Yeah, it was... It was... It was... Uh, I don't know where I was going with that. But then just the Justice League popping out of Firestorm and being, ah, oh, eat back to normal then. Yeah, the, that is a very damp squib, isn't it? The, the Justice <laughs> it was League from... Just... It was a damp squib the second you knew they were in Firestorm. And, like, uh, we bring them back. All oh, right, here they are. Are they going to serve the day? No. Because <laughs> Superman's got a kryptonite sliver in his head. So it's basically down to Lex Luthor to save everything. Yeah. Isn't it? The, the League don't do anything. Maybe that's why he joined them. He's Possibly. the new leader. 
Yeah, alright. I mean, I did like that Catwoman and Batwoman essentially have the same dynamic they had in Hush. Yeah. Showing not everything in the new 52 is is new. And the ending with the anti-monitor and Lex deducing Bruce's Batman Lex connecting the dots that we, we mentioned earlier on. I, I didn't know how all this turned out when I read it, other than I knew Lex was now going to be on the league. Mm. And I'd remained relatively unspoiled for it for the most part it was an okay ending to a series that I thought was okay which is, is what I said at the beginning it's interesting that it, it didn't grab me emotionally nor was I particularly invested in it and it, it seems funny to me that comics companies seem to keep wanting to make comics that stand alone you know as collected editions that they can sell in bookshelves ad infinitum evergreen books like Watchmen or Dark Knight and then they make stories like this stories that you know whatever you thought of this it'll be outmoded and irrelevant in six months when the next big event comes along Mm. and whether or not this will end up being forgotten like certain big crossovers I don't know taken in and of itself it was okay it was fine it had a few pacing issues and the best bits happened in the Justice League comic but it read okay even if the art was a bit substandard in places I can't get worked up about it being just set up for the next 12 months of DC Comics, nor do I care that, once again, it wasn't so much a story in and of itself, but set up for other stories. It simply was. It didn't suck. I didn't think it was magnificent. Some elements are more interesting than others. It was okay. Which, is, is I think, is all I have to say. I'm much more interested in seeing what follows this storyline. Mm. Luther in the League and him knowing Batman's identity are much more interesting setups for future stories than anything that actually happened in this series of itself. What did you think? I, I enjoyed the characters more than the story. Right, I, the, the Lex stuff. Then the Syndicate themselves. And the Syndicate yeah. and the Lex and Bizarro stuff Yeah, was more interesting, I think, to me. Yeah, I agree with you. And I, th- I think the anti-monitor reveal, I don't i don't know, does that pay off to anyone who doesn't know the crisis? No. I thought the whole point of the New 52 was none of that mattered anymore. And yet it seems increasingly they just keep going back to that well. It seems like they're, they're going to do Crisis on Infinite Earths. Why? Because Jeff Johns likes DC, like telling us stories that have already been done. But at some point, I kind of like, I've spent my money on this before, I don't want to spend my money on it again. So does that mean, are they going to get to the point where, to follow up on Crisis on Infinite Earths, or the new version, Jeff Jones is going to follow up on his Crisis on Infinite Earths with his Infinite Crisis? (laughs) Or are we going to get to the point where the new 52 is rendered null and void (laughs) because they had to have a crisis? Or because Crisis on Infinite Earths, the new one, brings back the old DCU. I'm sure there are a lot of people who'd be quite happy about that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't think these guys could write the old DC yet. Yeah, but I was, I was quite excited by the anti-monitor reveal. Yeah, I was quite surprised by it, because, like I said, I didn't, I didn't know is the guy he's, was coming. Is the guy he's talking to, he says, I'm going to find you a new world, is he, what's-his-face, who cried a lot? Who? Purple her kept crying. Worlds will die! Oh, God, yeah. I know who you mean, and I've forgotten. Yeah. I know who you mean. That was... Yeah. I like that the last chapter had Crisis in the title. Yeah. So now no Crisis has happened in, in the new 52, apart from this one. Yeah. Yeah. 
It was alright, wasn't it? Yeah. It It wasn't one of those where we've took an old story that you used to love and said, actually this sucks, Hmm. because this isn't an old story that you used to love. But it wasn't... It didn't knock my socks off, but I didn't think it was awful, and some of it genuinely made me laugh. Yeah. Some of the dark, humoured stuff I thought was funny. But, uh, no, I I won't be... I won't be rushing out to recommend the trade to people who want to read New 52 stories. Yeah. All-Star Western's better, <laughs> I think. But that's just me that thinks that, because obviously it got cancelled. And Justice League was better. Yeah, the Justice League issues were much better than the Forever Evil issue. Mm. Next time on an all-new episode, we will be comparing and contrasting this multi-part, multi-epic, big event crossover with the second ever crossover that DC ever did. Legends, rather than Crisis on Infinite Earth. Which would have been a decent follow-up as well. Yes, probably. But Legends is is a good follow-up. It's worked out quite well. Alright, well, thank you very much for joining us. We hope you will join us next week for that. Bye-bye. of highly paid lawyers after us as we have no money. Certainly this show was not turned into a lucrative revenue stream as no money is made from this either, which vexes us. The opinions of Michael and Andrew expressed in the show are the opinions of Michael and Andrew and no one else. They own them, cherish them and look after them but are probably not to be taken too seriously. New episodes drop every Thursday at twotruefreaks.com and Hey Kids Comics is a part of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network, your one-stop shop for a plethora of truly fine shows. Join in the fun. We have a website where you can see the covers of the comics we've covered at www.heykidscomics.webspace.virginmedia.com and we can be emailed directly at heykidscomics at virginmedia.com. We can also be friended on Facebook by using Hey Kids, all one word as the first name, and Comics as the surname. We also have a forum, www.forumforgeeks.com. We do hope you enjoyed this episode of Hey Kids Comics. Yeah,